The opinions expressed The opinions expressed on this program are those of the host or guest and should not be interpreted as statement of fact. Independent fact checking and corrections are encouraged. Can we get a cup of coffee in here, please? Dumbass card. Good morning, folks. It's Friday, end of the week. You made it. Uh, and it's Friday, uh, August 12th, 2022. And I don't say this often. I think this will be a very interesting show. Um, I'm going to wait until um, a little bit later to share some news with you on the Christine uh, Levine uh, situation. I do want to talk about uh, last night. Jess is back and a comedian, uh, Nina Simone, will be with us at 10 a.m. supposedly. But this has been a week of massive cancellations. Now, with Nina, Nima, I'm not exactly sure where she was, or where she's from. It looks like Nebraska. I don't know. We'll find out. Uh, anyway, uh, she should be with us at 10 a.m., supposedly. Now, I make no guarantees on that, but it will be an interesting show regardless. I promise you that. And I don't promise that too often. We'll start talking about the Trump shit. But... Please stick with me, because I do want to talk about um, Christine a little later in the show when some people who might be able to um, pitch in are with us. Uh, So yesterday, uh, probably some of you are aware, Merrick Garland came out with a statement. Now... Um, it really bothers me when, because uh, obviously with all the cancellations I've had, the, the, the statement was uh, scheduled for 2.30 in the afternoon yesterday. And it didn't happen until 3 p.m. Eastern time. Now, it wasn't a long statement. And you have to wonder... You know what's the what's the point in making people wait like that? If you're gonna if you come out at three o'clock, say three o'clock. Don't tell people two thirty. Have people wasting their time sitting around waiting for this big announcement, which was not a really big announcement. It was the announcement was basically that he had uh, filed the motion to um, unseal the search warrant and make it public because of the public interest in it. And uh, he wasn't going to allow people to just trash the FBI. That was it. Done. Out of there. Kind of frustrating for me. Because you, you expect, I expected him to say an indictment was imminent. Something like that. A little bright in here. Let me see if I can dim it. But he did not say that. Anyway, 
I had a gig to get to, and I got to a gig, and uh, I got home late last night, and I noticed a couple of tweets that say that were talking about how Republicans are going to be embarrassed, and all of a sudden they're not chirping so much after the big news, and then I saw people saying, "Well, he had uh, nuclear secrets in his safe, and uh, he was going." to sell them to the Saudis. What? So it turns out, I did a little minimal digging, and Washington Post had come out with a story that said, in fact, that one of the things the FBI were looking for were uh, nuclear secrets, uh, classified uh, documents that had nuclear secrets on it. Now, that would be top secret, not just classified. That would be top secret. I can tell you for a fact that I have driven printing plates that were made to create documents for nuclear weapons, top secret um, do- uh, top secret manuals for only for people with top secret clearance. And I had to drive those printing plates to be destroyed after the documents were create, created. And I was surrounded with FBI guards the whole time to taking those plates to be destroyed. Very, uh, it, even, and that was 40 years ago. So even then, high, li- high level of security uh, around nuclear documents, nuclear secret, top secret documents of any kind. Um, so for, for if the story is true, and this is, this is where it becomes uh, problematic for me, if the story is true, there is no reason that Trump should still be allowed to go home. He should be in a jail cell right now, which means... I think, for me, the story is probably not true because Garland did say no one is above the law. Well, I can tell you that if you, you, me, and I can tell you this for a fact, if you or I had top-secret nuclear uh, information in our possession, and the FBI found out about it, we would not be allowed to go home. We would be in jail. Donald Trump is allowed to go home. That means either he is above the law, which I don't think Merrick Garland is really taking that attitude, position, or the story is false. I tend to think the story is false. I think... um, May and people were talking about maybe the DOJ, uh, DOJ leaked that. Why would the DOJ leak that? That doesn't it doesn't serve the par- uh, public interest, especially when they've already filed for release of the warrant. So who leaked it? Who who told the Washington uh, Post about this? Well, probably John Barron, aka Donald Trump, in some fashion, uh, some pseudonym got in touch with the Washington Post and said that this is what they were claiming. Now, it would make a lot of sense as far as the $2 billion, $2 
billion dollars in cash that got deposited in uh, Jared Kushner's investment account recently, and all the Saudi uh, backing at Trump golf courses and him uh, really taking the side of the Saudis. Now, let's remember, I think 18 of the 19 um, alleged uh, suicide bombers um, from 9-11 were Saudis. Osama bin Laden was Saudi. The Saudis are not our friends, no matter what the government uh, tells you because we are reliant on their oil. They are not our friends. They are the biggest exporter of terrorism and anti-American terrorism in the world. That's important. So if it is true, Donald Trump is selling nuclear secrets to Saudi Arabia and he's not in jail. Why not? I mean, why would you, why would you let him? He, first of all, it's a flight risk. He's absolutely a flight risk. He can go anywhere in the world right now, disappear and never, never have to face extradition. He could go to Saudi Arabia, which actually probably suits him pretty well because you know how they treat women over there. Men are, uh, especially men who have means, are, have a different life uh, over there. So I don't think it's true. Uh, it, it would be shocking. It would be really shocking. Now, the funny thing is so many of these Republicans are being awfully quiet about this. And they were talking about you know, the, the defense of Trump, that the FBI probably planted stuff and blah, 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 blah. And all of a sudden, they're really uh, quiet about it. Now, um, very few of them are still chirping this morning. And it's the ones you can expect, the really stupid ones. Uh, Lauren Boebert, Marjorie Taylor Greene. Those are the people. Mitch McConnell has been quiet. Why? Because Mitch is a savvy old politician. And he realizes the jig is up. Now, I'm again. I I'm very doubtful that um, the the story in the Washington Post is true. It might be. If it turns out to be true, um, a lot of those people who were completely in Trump's corner are going to really, really look awful. What you have is, is treason of the highest uh, measure. You can't get any more treasonous than selling the world's top exporter of terrorism, anti-American terrorism, nuclear secrets. You don't want a nuclear arms, Saudi Arabia. This is this is the case. So um, that's where we're at today. Now, I, it was a little tough for me to even kind of swallow the news because coming home from a gig, I am ba- when I'm on a gig, I'm basically off the grid. I don't know anything that's going on. And I left, and all I had was this dopey statement from Garland that nobody's against the law and we're going to unseal a document. Well, that's fine. Let, when it happens, let me know. And that was it. And then I come home. And wow, uh, like, wait a minute, is this real? Is this like some kind of 
made-for-TV movie. We'll see. This stuff, if it's true, if the story is true that there were nuclear... Now, here's the important thing I think people are missing. The story says nuclear documents, nuclear secrets are what the FBI was looking for. It didn't say they found them. Although, generally, when you when you execute a search warrant like that, you don't leave until you find what you came for, especially because there is such a high degree of probable cause that the stuff is there in order to get the warrant, that they're not going to leave quickly. And apparently the raid didn't take days. It took hours at most. You don't leave until you find them. But the Washington Post story is not saying they found them. It's saying that's what they look they were looking for. That's a possibility. It's a possibility in my mind. But the fact that he's still walking free casts a lot of doubt on whether that story is true. We'll see, though. If it is true, I would think by the end of today, a major shoe is going to drop in that case. We'll see. I don't know. I'm not, you know, I'm not claiming to be an expert in this thing. Uh, I am an expert or an expert. I'm not an expert. I have enough experience driving nuclear secrets around the, uh, to places they needed to get top secret facilities and people who had top secret clearance to know what that's really all about. I also uh, have some experience with being raided by the FBI or having an ex- uh, a search warrant executed upon my house. Um, so I, I have some qualifications to know some things about these things, but I'm not, a, and, and you folks know this, I'm no expert in, in political affairs or anything like that. I'm a follower just like most of you. But there are, there are certain things that just don't add up and the, the biggest one is why is he still walking free? We'll see if he is at the end of today, though. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. I'd be, Kevin says uh, he had top secret clearance, too, and he was, he'd be buried under prison if he had done one-tenth of that. Well, that's the point. Now, you certainly would not have been allowed to go home while waiting for an indictment. Uh, and that's the, that's the point I'm making. Like, Trump is still living comfortably in Mar-a-Lago after these documents were, were searched for. Now, that means e- either they weren't really searched for, and the Washington Post thing is totally off, or they were searched for and not found, which would really make uh, the DOJ kind of look silly. I don't know. We'll find out. I think we'll find out today. I think we'll find out by the end of business, East Coast time, like 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock uh, Eastern time today. Um, so we'll, we'll hear about that. Now, um, and we can continue to talk about that as the show progresses and when Jess gets in here and uh, and he, maybe even when Nima uh, arrives. Oh, well, I'm going to read one more comment from Kevin before I move on. Trump never went through the process we all do for clearance because it wouldn't go through. They just grant access to POTUS. No, I, and that's that's true. And as POTUS, he has the right to declassify stuff anytime he wants. But you know, to declassify if he just declassified 
top secret nuclear uh, information. Even his own party would question that. Like, why? Why? Um, but again, um, yeah, Ted uh, makes a good point. It could be a documents about other countries. That's true, but it still would be he would be locked up if they found them. There's no they would not let you go home after finding that. And the two billion dollars is how we didn't know what the two billion dollars was for anyway. Two billion dollars in cash got deposited in Jared Kushner's personal investment account. Two billion dollars in cash, greenbacks, deposited in his account for nothing. No stated transaction whatsoever. And this is recently. And then you have all the stuff with the uh, Saudis sponsoring the golf tournaments and all that stuff. It definitely looks like there is something to the story. But, again, he wouldn't be walking free. Anyway, I'm going to move on for that. We'll come back to it as the show progresses, I guess, when Jess gets here or um, maybe when Nima comes in. Christine Levine, as you know, thanks to Kevin who alerted me uh, a couple of days ago, Christine Levine is battling uh, stomach cancer. And I reached out to her, again, thanks to Kevin, uh, suggesting it to to see if she would be open to us doing something, us meaning me, maybe Carl, maybe Jamie, maybe people from the community pitching in, volunteering, helping out in some way. Um, similar to the potathon, and somewhere in the middle of the night, uh, she sent me a direct message back answering that. And, uh, the bottom line of a very, very, <laughs> she wrote a book. Uh, but the bottom line is yes, she would like some help. She needs some help. So. I'm going to be putting this out there and calling for volunteers to help out. Uh, my instinct, if I could do it, would to be get on this right away and do something this Sunday, the 14th. But I think that's rushing things, and I wouldn't be able to organize it in time. So I'm looking at Sunday, Saturday or Sunday, the 20th and 21st. Um, I might have a gig on the 20th, which is why I'm thinking the 21st. And I'm thinking like a mini a mini panathon, like a 12-hour. And there's no reason we really need to do 40 hours, to be honest with you. We did 40 hours last time. There's no reason. We can raise the same amount with urgency in a shorter period of time. But um, so we're going to, we're going to, I'm going to organize something and get some people on board. I'm going to need some help with the administrative stuff and people want to appear, uh, reaching out to, guests who've been on the program for the last year and a half, two years maybe, uh, to come on and pitch in. Of course, people who know Christine and love her, we're going to ask them to get involved uh, and see if we can't um, increase the GoFundMe stuff. Now, I haven't talked to Carl and Jamie about it. They're supposed to have uh, an episode of of Dykes and Man today, 1 p.m. Eastern, on the Dog TV network. And I will talk to them. Uh, Jamie might be a, uh, an issue. And I know Carl 
is going back to Edinburgh and he might be traveling that day. So um, nailing down the details is going to be a difficult thing. It's not going to, it's not going to happen quickly, but um, we'll see. I mean, I'm, I want to get this done and I'm looking for, I'm still, you know, open to suggestions about dates, about exactly what to do. So I'm thinking 12 hour mini partathon. Um, and, uh, you know, trying to stack it as, as much as I can with as much talent and as much, um, much interesting content as we can and keeping, um, the eye on the ball and trying to, uh, you know, not necessarily have this long 40 hour thing, but a fundraiser telethon of, of, of limited, uh, time because everybody's time is pressed right now. That's what I'm thinking, but I'm going to need help. I'm going to need help from the community. Uh, <clears throat> and, uh, I'm going to probably, uh, reach out today to, um, I think her name is Kay who, who, uh, organized the GoFundMe, ask her to make sure she keeps that open while we figure out the details here. Uh, so um, that's going to be where, where we're going with that. I'm going to go back to the chat room now and see what the hell I missed here. Uh, well, I'm going to go back. Uh, well, last thing I saw was from Ted Nagurski, who said uh, could it be other countries. It could be. That's possible. Sure. Uh, by law, he can't declassify nuclear stuff. I, I did not know that. I thought the president could declassify anything at any point. He would have faced serious resistance, but I don't know. If that It could be true. Kevin couldn't be right about that. I don't know if that's a fact, but uh, whether smoke is fire, yeah, that's generally the case, isn't it? Uh, Ted Negeshi said, isn't there a possibility to declassify documents? He can't just wave his hand magically and... No, uh, a president can just decide, uh, you know, this is not classified anymore. Um, oh, poor Christine. Yeah, well, um, let's not have a pity party for her. I, I, I definitely want to, you know, keep um, positive thoughts. I do think she's going to be okay. Now. Uh, her GoFundMe has gone from 4K to 8K in the last couple of days. That's great. I think we can drive it to they want 25k but there's no reason we can't go over that uh yeah so anyway carl's uh carl's in the background it looks like he all yellow look at him he's going to play uh football or soccer as we call it are you are you like no I'm i'm gonna sit i'm gonna sit down what happened to your mojo your mojo is missing what do you mean your energy is low. Do you want me to? Well, my last 24 hours were walking around Edinburgh, gigging, all that stuff. And then an overnight journey home, got back at 6.30 into London. Uh, wow. Walked through London, got in the door at 9, and then started my day as normal. And when are you yeah. going back? 25th. Ah, oh, excellent. You know why it's excellent? Because I need your help again. <laughs> yeah, I caught, I caught a bit of the, uh, a bit of the yeah. show. Yeah, I want to do, like, I'm thinking a 12-hour thing on a Sunday, the 21st. Does that sound doable to you? It's a week Sunday, yeah. I'm I'm, I'm still here. And it's, I could, yeah, I, I could start it really weekend. early so that it's not, like, um, for you, more like, for, so early for me, so it would be, like, 
I don't know, noon or 11 a.m. for you, so it wouldn't be, like, totally brutal on you. Yeah. Like, 11 to 11, your time, or something. That's good. Um, yeah, so what's going on with ja- uh, Jamie today with of Dykes and Man? Is there one? Because it's very confusing what I'm seeing on Twitter. No, we, we agreed, so I did everything and did a tweet, and then I got a voice message saying it's not possible. He's not allowed. Yeah, but, uh, well, not, not allowed. He'd forgotten he's got to go somewhere, and he got informed of his... <laughs> Uh, itinerary by uh, her indoors, <laughs> which is fair. You know, he he just didn't he doesn't know what he's doing, does he? So, I'm wondering if we could get him, uh, and it's not crucial, but I mean, I would love to have him be part of this thing on uh, if if we do it on yeah. the 21st. Uh, Ted Nagurski has a question for you: Is everyone drunk 24 seven at the Fringe Festival? No, but there's a there's enough there's enough time in in the 24 hours. I mean, I barely slept every day. I mean, I might slept three hours. There's enough time to get that in. Um, I, I mean, the shows we were doing were 11, and then I got on a midnight show, so you were out of there by 1, and then you go to a bar, right, till 2. So, yeah, it's not everyone, but there's enough of it. It's packed. It's summer. It's like it's Spain. Everyone's in a good mood. It's quite celebratory this year, I think. We'll see how uh, how well everyone's doing by the end of the month when I go back. But, yeah, it's also tactical because if I go back at the end of the month, I'm hoping that enough comedians will be depressed. They've had full mental breakdowns or worse, and there'll be spaces for me to fill. Yeah, that's what I, I was thinking. I mean, because reading your tweets, it seems like, and I would have thought, imagined this anyway, that there's a lot of uh, dead weight that, that uh, thinks they're going to go there and become superstars. And the universe has a way of trimming that dead weight or killing their spirit pretty quickly when they find out that they're not the, the <laughs> stand-up comedy isn't as easy as making your friends giggle when you fart. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, there's all kinds of different levels, but everything I saw was good. Everybody I saw was good. You know, well, not everyone, but no one was objectively bad that I saw. But they, yeah, there's going to be everything there. There's going to be people going to get their dreams crushed, essentially. But you just got to be realistic about it and. I just met new people, got last minute invites to stuff, and already I bumped into someone on the street and we had a chat. And it, I'll probably get a gig out of that, and he's probably a good guy to know. Um, so yeah, just just it's just about meeting people really, and, and once people know who you are, you start to get stuff. Yeah. Um, now, uh, did, uh, what I'm thinking is now when you when you go to these people's houses and you're sleeping on their floor. Uh, you're yeah. paying for paying for that, right? Then you don't know these people. They're they're strangers. Well, the, 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 this group me. of people, kind one of them kind of knows one of my friends, uh, Dave, and a, a good comic, and uh, yeah, so it's kind of and because everything was last minute with me, and I said everywhere puts prices up into a ridiculous way. But yeah, I'm paying I'm not very much, but for right. a small piece of floor. Um, well, I'm thinking something. this is this is a a boom for the people who live in the town renting out floor space to comedians. Uh, if you live there, you're a resident and you want some extra cash. I'm so- sure people. I'm pretty sure people do. They rent out. Yeah, they're probably the garden for a ten. I would. Yeah, you can fill up a house if you like. Yeah, it, it, it seems like a probably good thing for the community. So. And I don't, I don't know that you can oversaturate it, but I'm just thinking for communities that are uh, a little bit economically depressed, this this whole thing is a good thing for the town, obviously, right? Oh, oh, for for sure, yeah. There's money to be made everywhere and at every level, and people. Are, there's a lot of people that don't have anything, and they're just scraping by it. If they got there for a month, I mean, they could be spending so much money, 
but they, they're living you know on donuts every day because they're a dollar <laughs> Now, you don't because you're a slacker, <laughs> but uh, are are people bringing merchandise to sell? <laughs> uh, prob- probably, yeah. I, I didn't. Um... We got to get you official call man uh, gear. Uh, yes. <laughs> so, somewhere, somewhere down the line. Yeah, probably. Probably. Yeah. I mean, I, I didn't. I tend not to stick around at the end of show, so I. I I wouldn't have uh, seen too much, and I kind of avoided some of the bigger ones. If someone I no, get you, back, you would problems. know because the guys you're sleeping on the floor with would have a box next to them of stuff that they brought. With well, them. I had a yeah, I had a, the first night. I had a sick bag on my shoulder for someone that was here in case he was sick. Uh, but, but I just pretended to be a nice guy, and if they, if they had have been sick on me, there would have been a white tent outside and a skycopter talking about an incident. Uh, now, have you met the fabulous Jess Paul? I don't believe so. Meet her now. Say, Jess, say hello to Hi. Good morning, guys. Good morning. Welcome to the world. I'm <laughs> saying that world. to myself. Yeah. Uh, you'll notice Carl talks funny. You hear how funny he talks? So, Carl, say something. Say. <laughs> Don't you love when you ask someone to say something? Say something in your, your native Xenoph- tongue. Xenophobia. See that? <laughs> Xenophobia. That's Xeno. Say, say pedophile. Actually, because he, he of, says pedophile. Because of how much British television I watched in college, for some reason, yeah. I only I only pronounce it pedophile or pedophile. All right, you both got to get out of here. Get out. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so Carl has been at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival in uh, Scotland and uh, performing comedy there, like like he would be if he were working in New York City, doing several shows in different locations in one night. And we were just—I was just asking him about the experience because Ted, who was in the chat room, was curious about it. Do, yeah. do you do you just have Carl on standby at all times? Well, Carl has a as um, he comes and goes as he pleases. I don't. He has uh, access to the administrative part of the show. Okay. Uh, I could end this thing. I could come on and say the worst thing. He did. He did end this thing. Uh, <laughs> did, point, I, I, I crashed out a whole show. Yeah, we were in the middle of a show, and he meant to leave, and he hit end broadcast instead of left. left <laughs> and I think I think you've even got to confirm that as well. I think you've got to press it twice. Yeah. <laughs> That's a lot of power to to, to yield over there. Yeah. Well, um, that happened because, and this is relevant to today's discussion. Uh, back. When we first found out that Andy uh, was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, we decided, I decided I wanted to do something uh, a little different. So I did a 40-hour podcast, live stream podcast, and got everybody involved. And Carl was a co-host, and uh, Jamie Dykes was the other co-host. And so so they were with me pretty much the entire 40 hours. Well, Jamie kind of slept eight hours. Carl, Carl slept an hour. I might have slept an hour or two somewhere in there, but... Man, yeah. I would go crazy every yeah. time. It was crazy. So our friend Christine Levine, who is a comedian, she's a comedian, actress, radio talk show host. Uh, she has now been diagnosed with stomach cancer, and we're thinking, or I'm thinking about doing something a week from this Sunday, a 12-hour uh, mini potathon of of sorts to raise money for mini, her. huh? Yeah, twelve <laughs> hours. Well. I mean, I guess compared to 40 hours, that is quite a stretch. Yeah. 
yeah, that that's a mini one. And um, it, it it's just a shame that in the richest country in the world we have to do this because we don't have universal health care for, for people. And so people who live week to week, paycheck to paycheck, um, can't afford to take care of themselves even after the surgery, considering, let's consider that possible that the medical bills will wait. The the recuperation and all that kind of stuff, paying your bills while you can't work because you're recuperating, all that stuff is a, it could end people's lives. It could right. put, make people homeless. So we have to, we have to do this kind of thing whenever our friends get sick, which is disgusting in a lot of ways that we have to do that because we we're such a greedy country we can't find a way to take care of people so that's um that's my soapbox is this my invitation yes to... <laughs> of course you, so you had brought this up i think before at least doing an no you were talking about um more of a variety show but uh what are you looking for are you looking for just guest hosts or, or are we supposed to um do a little song and dance well basically I don't know. It was basically so loose. We had a lot of comedians come on, musicians. They would do what they want, or we would just talk. We had filmmakers, and we'd just talk to them, uh, basically just killing time and keeping yeah. people, and just talk, telling people about the GoFundMe constantly. So Kate. a telethon in the new age of the internet. Yeah. I'm Jerry Lewis. Thank you. Oh, I got, I really like this idea. I No, yeah. <laughs> I, I will 100% um, – I'm deciding right now. I'm 100% committing myself. Well, I'm thinking of doing it on the weekend, on a Sunday to make uh, Sunday the 21st. Let's see what we. I got would here. do it this weekend, but it's just not enough time to organize the thing. Um, but yeah. mind dog telethon. I don't even need to put down a time because it will most likely be on <laughs> the whole day. You're so. in all. Um, You're in aluminium. All. You you're right now. Now you're fucking with me now. You're in all. Yeah, I, I can slip in. I quite often slip into Americanism anyway because I speak to so many Americans. So sometimes I'll end up just, you know. It happens. It happens. You have different words sometimes that mean, like, I don't want to say it. Uh, <laughs> like, there's a word for cigarettes that, that we, if we said it here, it would be hate speech. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean... It's weird, yeah. Kind of, kind of here too as well. But it's weird. It's weird. It's a weird one. I think Stanhope was talking about that. About there are words you can say on radio over there that you can't say here, and vice versa. And but they're not the same words. It's just, it's weird. So that's got to be a tough thing when when doing, you know, stuff like what can you say in different in different places? It's the same language, but it's not the same language. Just say it if it's on radio. Just say it, and if if they're not bright enough to have a little dump button, it's their fault, right? You live yeah. and you learn. Yeah. Trial by fire. So, uh, so just that commercial was uh, absolutely adorable. Don't give me one of the. <laughs> Bill. Com. Yeah. Is that what we're talking about? Yeah. yeah. Bill. Yeah. Uh, now, uh, Jamie, can you can you pop in for a second or no? Uh, oh, shower then, but we'll be listening with the oh. <laughs> Saving. Saving. Saving or shaving? I think you probably mean shaving. Shaving. Then have a shave. yeah, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to dip out in a couple of minutes. But, All right, um, dip out. Who, you know, you. Who needs you? Yeah. Nah, Just nah, kidding. Nah, it's nice to meet you, Carl. You. Yeah, nice to meet you too. 
No, the the reason Carl's got to dip out, he's got a he plays for uh, Manchester uh, soccer well, club. This, this is Brazil, so. Oh, <laughs> he plays for the Brazil <laughs> soccer club, so he's got to go. Uh, he's a, he's an all star over there, so I don't know what he's doing. Got, he just uh, got back from Edinburgh, like in the middle of the night. No, six thirty a.m. Six thirty a.m. Uh, yeah, there's been no sleep. People the yeah, it's, it's all it's all good. It's all good. I don't need sleep when I'm when I'm there. I'll sleep all weekend and then go back on the twenty fifth and not sleep again for three days. But it's right. good fun. I'll sleep when I'm dead. Yeah. Well, uh, next can we make a plan for you to? Because uh, the Wi Fi sucked, but I would love it if you could actually do like a live. Well, it's actually the data signal in the city is weird. I don't know whether it's the structure of the city or there's so many people there and it was getting overwhelmed. So I was using my data, but it kept in certain parts and where I was. I guess it was just it was just disappearing. But I can I can I can. You could fake it by by just taping something on the phone and then send me the file yeah, and I'll something. play it as if it's what do you real. Want me to do? <laughs> yeah, all right, cool. Um, I'm not so, dancing again, yeah. Daddy. So good to see William Conway is going to be on. Uh, he's already uh, committed to it. We're already getting people. Uh, I got some people writing to me saying they'll help with the administrative stuff. That's going to be because, you know, how many people am I going to, who were on the last one, am I going to approach again? Because I, I, I used every uh, I don't know. I, if it went well the first time and it was, you know, a great cause, I don't I don't see why people wouldn't want to again. I, I got, I don't, I forget the number, but I think it was over 50. And most of them were somewhat celebrities in, in their own right. So, wow, yeah. cool. Yeah, so, but, you know, what they have time, and it, it, at some point, it's like, oh, they, you again? Like, how many favors am I going to do for you, bro? <laughs> I get that. I, I've, I've, the, the piece of advice that I have trouble following myself is that there's there's really no harm in asking, you know? Yeah. A well, simple... William, sa- William says, uh, William Conway says, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. There we go. There we go. <laughs> But uh, keep in mind that I want to keep the bridges uh, intact so that I can have these people on as guests because uh, they've all been great guests on my nighttime show. Some of them have been on a morning show. I want to keep those bridges. You just open. need enough buffer room, you know, like time in between where so that they miss you. Yeah. Like Brendan. Brendan actually went out of his way to prepare something for us, like a, a, a comedic, comedic bit. All right, Carl, say comedic. 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 I know we pronounce it. Comedic, isn't it? Isn't it? Isn't it comedic? Yeah. Uh, But so people who went out, because some people feel obligated that if I'm going to be on, I got to do something special. And, you know, a week is a a lot Mm -hmm. of preparation. I don't know. But I'm going to, I will reach out to as many as I can. I'm just trying to think out. I felt bad because I got um, Alex Lehman. He's a really good guy. He's doing 56 show, 56 hours of comedy up in Edinburgh this month. Um, wow. And he is, uh, he's a good guy. But I got him on, but he'd prepared, he didn't know what it was. And he prepared a load of bits as well. He does like music and DJing and stuff as well. Yeah. And he got all his gear set up, came on. And I think two other guests are coming early and we were just chatting shit. For yeah, an hour. he didn't know what to expect. Yeah. And I had uh, Andrea Such, who is a classically trained. <laughs> actress and a a you know television uh star and 
and uh, ballerina and classically trained musician. And she came on at the wrong time to see Jamie and Scott doing kind of a roast of each other and like was appalled by that. Like, and she oh, said, no. oh, Matt, I can't be part of this. I'm sorry. And I'm going to have to, you know, bow out. Like this was during the day of the telethon. Yeah. Oh, she, no. rescheduled, she rescheduled. She said she sent me an email saying she was going to have to reschedule for a, an earlier time in the day. I did not have time to respond to it. So she just popped in earlier in the day and saw these guys just calling each other names and Fucking fuck. Yeah, it was less. Fuck. It was less of a roast and more of a dramatic. Is very realistic, like a, a reality fake show. fight. <laughs> yeah, uh, and it happened later in the day as well. Someone popped on, and just as Jamie was, you know, he probably had a hundred beers by that point, and was said, "I can't remember what it was, but it was something that I was going." We've got someone backstage. Just be a little bit careful, and I think they disappeared for a bit as well. But it's it's all good. It's all good. Well, give me a little bit of inspo. Like, what were some of the more creative bits that people came up with if they weren't just sitting and chatting and drinking? Brendan Walsh by far was the best. He did Yelp reviews. Yelp was it Yelp? Uh, I think um, I think Yelp. I think old Yelp reviews that he'd written, and he just read them back to us. But it, it was kind of he that's was hilarious. Oh, I uh, love that. He, you got, he's, yeah, uh, you heard the yeah, video. Yeah, the video. It's on the playlist, I think, of the of the podcast. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to have to do my, my homework. Uh, people did songs. Uh, we had uh, quite a few. Kermit uh, uh, Apio uh, did a uh, uh, great song. Karen Bella uh, did musical Yeah, she was great because we were flagging at like hour 34. Yeah, 39. And that was nice 39. <laughs> Yeah, I'm trying was... to think of my talents. I mean, I have so many. Um, I could do something crafty. That's what I do on my live show. So if I can think of something that's kind of interesting within my time, my time frame. Yeah, like we I had can... we had Christina do snakes, <laughs> snakes and just, just show snakes, show snakes and rep, reptiles because that's what she does, and she was giving us a that's fun. Yeah, it was okay. Fun. At that, that point, that would I was be something to tune into. I would totally tune into that part. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, so uh, I mean, the, anything people want to do. Uh, nobody did any except Carl, and we blew it for him. <laughs> like prepared comedy bits or, or like actual co- comedy material. But by the time he w- he started to do it, he was saving the show, and we we wouldn't let him because we were just treating it like it was still conversation. He was doing some really funny stuff, but. Oh. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, Carl? You were talking yeah, about right your auntie. Oh, yeah, my- yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, not- <laughs> I'm quite close to the family right now, but yeah, it's a true story. Yeah, but we 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 really didn't let you do it great because we were interrupting well, it's you. It's also not really built for doing on on a, a podcast. I think as well, it's more it's more to throw into it. It could be if the comedians everybody. would let you know. I'm going to use this minute to do some material. We were up for 37 hours. I didn't even panic. The <laughs> conversation was flagging, so I just started telling a story. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's and not. It's normally a bit more violent than that on stage, I think, as well. And it doesn't – I don't often do it. It just depends. If One, do I want to upset everybody? Or two, do I think this will work here? But. Yeah. So what are, you, what are you doing today? You got to get back to work? Or it's it's the weekend? It's already it's days over. Happy Friday, guys. It's Friday. It's here. It's 3 p.m. I've got a little bit of admin to do, and I've got to get out some follow-ups and stuff on some gigs for Edinburgh when I go back. So, yeah, just going to fill that up and some right. other shit as well. And, yeah, there's lots of vague things that I can't really refer to because it involves other people. So I will 
I'll uh, I'll let you know. Keeping soon. secrets, Carl. Uh, Jamie says to drop him a link. I'm going to drop him a link. I don't know. You don't, I know you got things to do, but I, you know, I'm going to have this conversation with him just to give him a moment. You don't need a link. Doesn't he have a admin access as well? Oh, he, he probably oh, he's on his phone, so he's probably shaving or in the shower. I would think. All right, all right. I'm sending it over on um, on Twitter, Jamie. Uh, but so I don't know if you if you need to get out, you do what you want to do. I'm not telling you what to do. I, yeah, I I will. Hey, listen. I always will. I made um the last night at a gig. I made well, I didn't make, but I started mocking the the barmaid quite a lot, and she gave me a free beer while I was on stage. So I just drank it. I made everyone wait. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Uh, I had a very weird. Again, I had two gigs yesterday, and. Um, Coming home, it, it, the gig ended at 10 o'clock, and I got home 1230. Uh, it's just like an insane amount of traffic. They should close down all the major roads. Here he is. He's in the device is not connected. Uh, now one is connected. I guess his audio is connected. Jamie, are you there? You're spinning. You got no Wi-Fi. There he is. Whoop. What an angle. What an angle we've got. That's why we've got the upload. I was waiting to see him like under the shower stream, like talking. He's been in on the program from the shower. Uh, <laughs> Jess, nice to meet you. Nice to put a name to the face, face to the nice name. Nice to see you and wow, meet he you talks and funny too. The they all talk time, funny. Oh, I, we're all we're all foreigners together. Yeah, I thought I was just about to have a shave, and I thought, you know what? Let's let's jump on. Let's do our bit for for the dog, the D O double G Y. Carl, how's it going? Beautiful. Do it for cancer. How you doing, Jamie? We haven't seen you since, uh, I don't know, when was it? Monday, Tuesday? I don't even know. Hey, we lost oh. him again. He put, Is he pulling himself yeah, out? What's going on? What the fuck? <laughs> You're doing this to yourself, bro. You're pulling yourself out. Anyway, uh, you talk a little different funny than Carl. You, like, have different yeah, funnies. Yeah, he comes from a field. I come from the Shire. Oh, Jamie's Welsh. This is not, an international not, show. He's not English. He's Welsh. Yeah. This is, and they this don't... is the international takeover show for for the Mad Mind Dog TV. Yeah. So I, I Jay, not... Yo, go on. Did you, did you hear what we were talking about doing a uh, mini uh, potathon on the 21st, Pot-a-thon. which is a That's Sunday? Yeah. I know. I, I didn't catch that part, but um, I sort of pulled pieces of the conversation together and figured out that's, that's what it's not. About. It's not set in stone yet, but I, I would do it this Sunday, but there's just not time enough to organize it. So I'm thinking Sunday the 21st is I want because she's going under the knife this Wednesday. Holy so it's, shit. It's that quick. Yeah. Because oh, uh, we didn't oh. find out about it. Yeah. So I don't know if you're in, you're in. That's all I want to, you know. If you yeah, can do yeah. it, um, any day, time, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll anything. We should probably it. pencil it in there and wait to see what happens during surgery. Yeah. Why you yeah. think she might die? I'm not saying it. No, I just said you know. You optimistic, brother? Any yeah, of yeah, no. for, uh, You could die. Anything for uh, you know for Christine Levine, man. The same with Andres as well. So um, yeah, definitely in. No problem. Not anything. I'm not doing anything. I'll do a pot of. I don't know. Um, I've done some bad things in my day. I'll do anything. Yeah, yeah. I mean, okay. all right. Yeah. Uh, is, are you laying flat on a mattress? Is that or there's one behind you? <laughs> oh no, that's, this is my bed. This is my that's bed his post. stylish backboard that you're that you're insulting right board. now, dog. Yeah, that's my. That's, 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 that's what he gets tied to. 
Yeah, this is this is where the love happens, baby. This is where my kids, <laughs> you know. Now you, you're turning me on. Don't don't it's do too that. early in the morning for this. Yeah, it's, it's uh, just nights. No, in fact, coming back from like spending like four, three, four nights in a really shitty hotel in Edinburgh, coming home to this bed was just like a godsend. But when I woke up in the morning, just constant aches and pains, like ah. Now, your, your friend Tommy wasn't offended by me saying he looked like those Superman characters, was he? Oh, I done it. I probably didn't even show it to him because uh, okay. no, he's, he would have been fine. He would have been okay. Um, he definitely looks like a character actor from a movie. He he probably has a a a good door open for him to to get into that. He's got a look that is, yeah. You know, oh, scary in a way. And <laughs> it's funny to say that because we went to watch a comedy show, right? And the, the comedy show was called Jew Orama. So, as you can guess, it was a comedy show made up of Jews, it's the chosen ones. <laughs> and this, um, it was a beautiful woman come down. Her name was Davina. She was one of the comics. And she got on stage and she said to Tommy, She said, Look, from the back, you look like a really aggressive person. But she said, I can tell you're a, you're a really nice guy. And he just sat there with his arms folded. He went, "You all love." I think he looks really aggressive from the front as well. To be fair, <laughs> yeah, but he's um, he is um, he's a he's a soft guy. He's not really. I mean, don't get me wrong. He can fight, but he's, he's physically yeah. soft. I've tied him up like a pretzel in a hotel room almost a year yeah. ago to the day. That's it's a true story. I wasn't there. Um, I'm sad I wasn't there. It I was did a try post gig and... hotel unofficial party yeah. with cheap vodka from cups, and we wrestled. <laughs> so. <laughs> Why has he never been on this program or of of Dykes and Man or Last Rights or anything? Um, he's not a podcast kind of guy. I discussed it with him when I was in the Fringe. And he, uh, he just said I'm not a podcast kind of guy. He said he would, if he was to do something like a podcast, he said he would want a general outline of what was going to be discussed. But he's he's not one for just sitting down and just you know rolling with the punches, you know. Outside yeah. of his comfort zone, I think. But uh, he he do pretty well. He can hold a conversation done well with anyone. I just don't think it's his cup of tea. Oh, right. Well, it wasn't your cup of tea until I broke your cherry. You did break my cherry. You broke it in a soft, gentle way, and uh, I have <laughs> back since. It was it was a beautiful encounter. It was a special time in my life. And now look at you. You like you like everywhere, except yeah. your wife won't let you do your own show today. Yeah. Oh, dream crush. You know, I, I completely forgot. We had um, uh, prior engagements to go up the in-laws, and I was just like, uh, yeah, I can do a podcast. We'll do a podcast, Carl. And she came home from work, and she was like, oh, you, are we still okay for going up the in-laws? I was like, shit, I completely forgot. Do it a little later. Do it an hour later. Come on. Do 50 minutes later, do a 45-minute show, and then you... We could no. well do. Oh, we gonna, at least I think we're going to do it on the weekend anyway, yeah, Carl? Oh, tri- yeah, I, it's up to you. I said we'll try. I, I stuck it in for next Thursday, but we're doing it over the weekend. I'm going to go to the woods in a bit and record a solo podcast about something. I don't know. Maybe I'll just rant, or maybe that'll be the end. But, um, I think, yeah, a nice walk to the woods soon. Uh, be good. It's always weird, though. I don't know how much you film stuff like that, Jess. But if you do, you ever film anything outside? But if you do, like a, I want to. It's always a an awkward outside, situation. But, yes. Yeah, someone's walking the dog and they're coming past, and I'm, you know. Say, I have to I, say, I mean, living in Los Angeles, the heart of everybody wanting to be famous, it's not that it's it kind of feels at home. <laughs> like if you see somebody filming themselves on the sidewalk. Oh, yeah. You've got like a TikTok wall somewhere, like a pink wall or something. Oh, too many. On. Yeah. I've so got mine. Yeah. I've got mine right there. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> I like um, I like your room. I don't mean to sound stalky, but I like your room. It's like a lot going on. It's very colorful. Yes, 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 yes. And we've got like flames on the back on in in the mirror. Um, we've got yeah. we've got candles. We've got red. I like I look like I have like a like a, a sensual like sex chamber over here, but I just really like the color red. I'm not oh, I'm not okay. trying to like. No, it's it's a, it's a cool getup, man. I could it's like um like a Stevie Nicks sort of vibe thing going on in the back. Oh, you're not even seeing the best of it. Like that's a g- great uh, observation. It that, looks yeah. like the gypsy. The gypsy yeah, yeah. video Stevie Nicks did. Oh, I have room. to look that up. Maybe I'll get some more inspo. Yeah, yeah, cool. yeah I, I like the getups. Good. I like little fairy lights and shit. We got them all around the house as well. Little bits and pieces. Yes. You know, what, we're, what not, not we're not getting some uh, promotion here. Jess does a live stream. I think it's Wednesday mm-hmm. night. It's one night during the week. What is it? Mo- Wednesday? It's, Monday. it's every other Monday, so catch me it's if you Monday? can. No. It's Monday? No. Okay. All my shows ever since I was 19 years old have been on Monday because I thought that I wanted to to raise everybody's spirits on the worst day of the week. Oh. Well, yeah, cool. Monday's Monday's a shit day, man. How come Hate it them. felt like midweek to me? Because uh, uh, I've seen probably the last five or six of them. I could have sworn it was Wednesday. I, I can't tell you, man. I can't tell you. <laughs> I caught a bit of one. That's I because Brazil, I have no but... idea what Really, day Carl? Is. Have you seen it too? I was in Brazil when I caught a bit of something you were doing. I think you were sewing something. and Yeah, the jacket like, thing a couple of weeks ago. Sat on the floor. Yeah, jacket, and there was a story That's going right. on. I, I, I was, was in Brazil in the middle punk, of nowhere there. Punk so, merch. So. My own, uh, my own DIY, like let's rep the band kind of deal. One thing I'll tell you, if you're a musician out there, listen up, listen up. If you want cute girls to wear your merch, make cute tank tops. I'm not wearing your, your completely concealing band tee that, that fits me like a, like, like a smock, like, come on guys, like print some cute stuff That's good i have to advice. make my own merch yeah listen up guys you think you're rock and roll you ain't rock and roll until you've got cool merch for hot checks would you wear would you wear think a tight tank with uh, napo's face on it well let's and not just uh, let's uh, not just single out musicians here because i asked carl jamie about <laughs> edinburgh <laughs> what, did you see anybody selling merch at edinburgh um i didn't see merch no I just saw a shit ton of people missing out on a lot of opportunity. Comedians make a lot of money, extra yeah, there, money. There, 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 there will be tons of comics up there with merch. I just didn't see any of the shows I went to, but they, I didn't actually get to see many shows. Actually, I was not. I got friends doing hours up there, but I just couldn't get to everyone. It's difficult. You're walking yeah. around a hilly city, sweating, trying to find gigs, trying to see everyone, uh, just dying, um, trying to get signal. But, uh, yeah, the, no, there will be tons of comics with merch up there, but I just didn't see any this time. I'll see some more when I return. I can really tell because, like, I'm a, I am can be a merch whore if you got some good merch at your table, okay? Yeah, yes. Um, and, because I go to live shows and I dig them. But even for some of my favorite bands, I have passed up the merch table because it feels like they're being lazy with their art, no, uh, especially the kinds of shirts. I was going to ask you about that because – yeah. Uh, not that I'm looking to expand your business. God knows you you have enough going on in your life. But most of us uh, suck at merch, uh, at the design of merch, or you know, it's a secondary thought. So you're out there being a comedian, you're out there being a musician. The merch comes up. Oh yeah, we need something. Let's just take our band logo and put it on right. there. And, and so, and because uh, William said that was next level advice, the stuff about make the the tank tops and all that kind of stuff. Uh, 
design advice any yes i've got it listen up okay well this is the thing i my the heart of me am a designer as well like so if i would almost create a bandit to sell merge uh so um so basically i it's already inside of me that if i were to have a gig where i was playing live shows i would i would be on top of the merge in fact there would there is a YouTuber who decided she wanted to be a singer. She never took lessons, um, but she wants to be a rock star. So she's been playing shows. She's one of my favorite YouTubers, and she's been playing shows around LA. And what she's been doing with the most of her time, instead of taking singing lessons, is like splattering oversized T-shirts um, mm. with paint and and so these are like one of a kind pieces that have her her lyrics on them and her illustrations and paint and she and, and so basically when you go to this sh these shows and you buy a piece you're also like kind of buying a piece of art as opposed to just one of those logos like like you got to know because you guys are not only comedians or musicians yourselves you are fans so i i know that you know that when you go to a show you have a certain opinion when you look at that merch table like even as a non-designer or a non-imperial apparel enthusiast like you can tell if somebody has put a little bit of thought or put a little money into the oh, design yeah, of their yeah, t-shirt absolutely. Absolutely. but, yeah, but yeah, yes yeah not I, even I, the, the design of the the merch itself but the way they they present the table some some people mm. just bring in and ask the venue can you can we borrow a table and they don't even put a sheet over it or anything and just right. put stuff all over the table like that doesn't look appealing to anybody i mean some and then some come in with this high level display stuff and all this and they have uh several people working it who look friendly and they're like really people people manning the table or womaning the table <laughs> I just come up with an idea, a great right. idea. Maybe We're going to start a band, right? You were going to be like the Vivian Westwood. Dog is going to be like the Malcolm McLaren. I'm going to be the bass player. Carl's going to be the guitarist. We just need a rhythm guitarist and a, and a drummer. And then, you know, you guys, you know, Dog and Jess, you can, Vivian Westwood, Malcolm McLaren and up. And me and Carl will take care of the rest. Hmm. I wish I knew the references. I'm too young. I'm, oh, I'm okay. sorry to say that Sex, I don't even know what Vivian Westwood does. Sex Pistols, <laughs> basically. Oh, 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 okay. Yeah, like the oh, origins of that. So we, we that's what we're gonna do. We're just gonna we're gonna quit comedy and podcasting. We're just gonna go forward and just do music. I'm not quitting podcasting. Yeah, yeah, I'm, you are now. I'm just I'm just hitting my stride here or getting ready. Except this week has been a fucking disaster, man. Really. Well, everybody cancels. No shows, right? <laughs> no shows. And no shows. Not, one guy actually took the time to cancel, which I respect the day in advance. But everybody else was like uh, uh, not making it no That's notice such at all. bullshit. So they literally just don't show up? Yeah. They, we should we should enforce some kind of penalty. That's what I I told the publicist. Uh, if they want to reschedule, I'm gonna have I'm gonna have to charge them minimum of fifty dollars just to re you know reschedule it, put do all the um, re administrative work in the back end. It's an yeah. hour of my time. It's sad, man. Yeah, yeah, it's bad. It ain't good. Yeah, uh, but they're probably if, the same people who they, they probably have a tendency to maybe cancel on gigs last minute anyway as well. Possibly, I might be wrong. So Mike Darty had uh, Patreon members only merch at a live show. That's a weird thing. I've never seen that. That before. is interesting. See, that is innovative. I like that. I well, like. I think, Mike it, I think it's great. Well. All right. Well, we have my guest has arrived, so it's yeah, time I'm, to I'm kick, gonna, you, kick you guys off. Yeah, nice to meet you. Guys. Bye, guys. 
just fix it. That's easy. All right. And, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll be be let's, let's have a meeting about next Sunday, though, yeah, yeah. sometime in the near future. I'll I'll, yeah. I'll DM you or something. Okay. All right. Yeah. Get out. Almost press end broadcast. I'll take myself out. <laughs> uh, good luck with your game today, Carl. Go Brazil. Go Thank Sao Paulo or wherever it is. Sao Paulo. Right. Peace. Get out. Get out. Get out. Uh, our guest today is a comedian, I think. And I don't know this for a fact, but I think she's from Nebraska. Uh, I don't, we'll soon it, find out. Not, it, she doesn't have a lot of information about her online, so I don't have I know. I even fam- tried to creep, and it, it, and we've got a Facebook account, and that's about it. Yeah, and I, I'm probably going to mispronounce her first name. Nima Simone is with us. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Nima Simone to Coffee with the Dog. Did I get your name right? For, good morning. Good morning. Hi, my name is Nima Simone, so you were close. Okay. We got it now. It's well, stapled in there. Well, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for uh, being here. Now, uh, are you from Nebraska? Is that do I have that correct? Yes, I am from Nebraska. Now, why do we have so little information? Are you in the witness protection program? Or? No, oh, I'm not in the witness protection. <laughs> um, I don't know. I thought I had a lot of information. I'm gonna have to. Go on there and add some more information on there about myself. I'm like, I'm like thinking I'm putting too much information out. Oh, no, there's never too much information when you're a public personality, I think. Would you agree with that, Jess? (laughs) Yeah, man, I I whore out my my information (laughs) like it's like it's free on the street. (laughs) Uh, uh, How long have you uh, been in uh, stand up comedy? I've been doing it for about five years, five years. Uh, and did you, was it something you always wanted to do? Was it something like, did, did you have it from a small child or you you got interested in it as an adult? Um, I got interested in it as an adult, but I've always been funny. My whole family actually is funny. We always talk about each other, make jokes, just sit around and just, talk about each other's flaws so it's always been something within me right so uh are you still in nebraska or are you in a, uh chicago now or where, uh, where are you i'm currently in las vegas nevada las Ooh, vegas oh well that's lights. a good place for comedy because <laughs> <laughs> no, i was gonna i was wondering about the opportunities for comedy you don't hear about comedy in nebraska much i mean no. You don't hear about too much of anything in Nebraska, except the corn huskers. Every corn. Husker. <laughs> it's over <laughs> corn. Um, so Vegas, that's a whole different thing. Now, tell me about um, as you got interested in stand Because a lot of people are funny. They're, but stand-up comedy is not the same as just being funny. So your first time doing it, was it an open mic night? Were you, was, it somebody, was it on a dare? Did you go there... Uh, intentionally uh, intending to be on stage that night. Tell us about that. Actually, at the time, it was actually a dare. And um, it was supposed to be kind of like a challenge. A friend of mine um, had challenged me to do it. Um, Because, again, I was always making jokes about him and just, you know, making him laugh. And he was like, I challenge you to go do an open mic. And I did it and got a really great reaction from the crowd. And from there, I just kept going. 
Um, did, did you ha- have something prepared or did, well, your first time up there, did you just think I'm just going to be me and just, you know, shoot from the hip or did you prepare it five minutes or three minutes or whatever the open mic allowed? Um, I prepared, I prepared for a couple of weeks, um, and went up there and said my jokes and got a really great response and it's been history ever since. How did you first oh, subject ahead. matter? Yeah. For the um, first excuse, show ever. Excuse me, I didn't quite I didn't quite get that question. Sorry, what was the subject matter for your first your first couple jokes ever on that open mic night? <laughs> I talk about um being an ex uh exotic dancer. And I talk I about <laughs> I talk of I wasn't good at it at all. So that's, <laughs> that's the joke. I talk about how I just was not good at it. Um, and I also talk about the neighborhood in which I live in. Um, I live in Las Vegas, so out here you will see any and everything happen. So on one particular, it's a true story, one particular day I was driving in my neighborhood and I had seen like some people that frequently um, be in the neighborhood and they're kind of not so good people mm-hmm. but they were um standing on the corner and they had costumes on and i'm like how how can they afford costumes like what is going on like it was just weird they were out there in costumes and i talk about that story what kind of costumes like furries or <laughs> they were like in like grown people in like superman costumes and <laughs> It was just weird. I'm like, how did they afford costumes? Like, well, what that's their new gig. Them? They're trying to get people to take photographs with them now. Yeah. yeah. It, like, I think, because Jess is in L.A., I'm in New York, and uh, I'm not in New York City, but I think you would agree, Jess, uh, if somebody in L.A. saw people in costumes, it would be no big deal. No like, big deal. No matter what neighborhood, it'd be like, okay. <laughs> this makes somebody sense. wearing a costume definitely in New York nobody would even notice if you just and, walk past them like a... and, and that's the thing about living in Vegas and coming from Nebraska it was like a real big shock to me because Nebraska is very conservative so like if you see somebody on the corner with a costume on <laughs> you might be like okay I might need to call the police but um <laughs> In Vegas, everybody just drives by like, oh, this is just a new day. Who cares? And, you know, no one cares. But it was just funny to me because I was like, any other day they out here um, drunk and high and, you know, and now today they have costumes on. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So did you go to Vegas for comedy or you were already there uh, when you when you first started comedy? No, I actually didn't go to Vegas for comedy, but I found a home at, in Vegas for comedy. So, huh. yes. Why did you go to Vegas, if you don't mind <laughs> being so... Uh... I'm still trying to figure that out. Why <laughs> did I come to Vegas? Um, I got really sick of the cold, and um, I figured I really wanted to go to L.A., but I just knew that L.A. was too expensive. So I was like, well, at least if I get close to L.A. Um, in Vegas, I'll be close enough to go to L.A. whenever I wanted to. So that was ultimately 
the not really that close. I, we were having that discussion yesterday. It's like a six-hour drive, right, or something like that. The day trip, depending yeah. on who's driving and what time you drive, <laughs> it, it could be a little <laughs> bit longer. <laughs> yeah, uh, I thought you were going to say a little bit shorter because I drove the um, the fastest. I drove from San Diego, California, to Long Island, New York, in thirty-nine hours in Whoa. 1980, straight through. It kind of smoking in the Bandit kind of thing. I don't know. That's an old reference for you. But a movie that Burt Reynolds drove a Trans Am trying to avoid the cops. This was a brand new Trans Am. And basically my idea was I'm going to drive 120 miles an hour the entire way. And every time I got to a state line, the, the mentality was if a cop goes to pull me over, I'm just going to race him to the next state line. I could beat him to the next state line until it's out of his jurisdiction. Oh, my God. <laughs> Uh, and I made it in 39 and a half hours, but uh, we were talking because our friends are having a party out in, in the desert in November and some Dean who has been a co-host here, he was interested in going. I said, that's a young man's game driving across country all the way out there. I mean, I did it when I was young, but at this point it, it would be brutal. Uh, but I don't know how I got sidetracked on that. Oh, cause you're talking about Vegas and Depending on who's driving, that's what got me talking about. That. Um, so when now you prepared for your first open mic, did you take any study? Did you you know study any comedy classes or any like? How did you how did you go about preparing your first thing if you had no experience? Did you did you have any study or? I just basically just did what I always did. Just be myself and just went up there with the confidence and now that's just, interesting because you, you say you weren't good it's i i detected a little <laughs> bit of lack of self-confidence in the uh exotic dancer part but with the comedian <laughs> part you you were you had confidence that's a, that's a odd uh yeah <laughs> a mix and people have said that, like, this should be easy peasy for you um, if you were a whole dancer. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, it should be easy peasy, which it, it technically is, but technically not. Because, you know, you don't say too much when you're a dancer. Right. Um, with a, a comedian, you have to really, um, you have to really, really... Um, connect with the people that you are telling jokes to. I think you do it. As, now, listen, I, I, I'm going to be, and I don't mean to sound like um, insincerely innocent here. I don't really know about exotic dancing, but I think because uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, you, yeah, you have, you to, have to connect on too. some level, but it's not the same kind of connection. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> It's a little bit more physical with the dancing and a little bit more um, mental with the comedy. Right. You found your tools to communicate, basically. Right. Right. Uh, so now, how how often are you working now, and and what are, what are the nature of the kind of because Las Vegas is a different kind of town than most people are used to. You have lounges. You have I don't know. I don't even know if there's. I'm sure in some parts of town there are uh, traditional comedy clubs, but most of the work is going on in hotels, yes? Um, It's a lot of work in hotels. Um, we have some, com not a lot of just like comedy clubs, 
but a lot of people go private shows. Um, it's a little bit with Las Vegas. It's a little bit of everything here. Um, you can always find your niche in Las Vegas because they we have so many um, variety of things that you can, you know, do here. So I believe Las Vegas has it all. It's the private sector. It's the casinos. It's um, I've even did shows at, you know, just traditional bars. So it's a little bit of everything here. Bar work for, is it mostly locals in bars or is it tourism? Um, well, the bar I did it at was not technically in Las Vegas. It was in Henderson, Nevada. So that was more geared towards um, the locals. So it, it kind of just depends. I've, I've done um, open mics in a um, casino and it, it mainly locals. It, it it depends on where you're at. Like if you're on the Strip or Fremont, then you're going to get the tourism. If you're just like outside of those areas, you'll get the locals. Right. Um, so it is uh, what's the competition like out there? I'm thinking like because uh, Justin knows from L.A. Everybody is in show business in L.A. I'm thinking most people are, or Las Vegas is full of people who were went there just specifically uh, to be in show business, whether it's music, whether it's uh, you know cabaret shows, whether it's comedians or you know, so high level of competition or too much competition. It's um it's a lot of competition. Um, it now for the women, um, it's kind of it it's kind of hit or miss. It may be a time where you go out and it's lots of, you know, women. It's nothing like L.A. because I've done a show or two there. I've done a couple of shows in L.A. Um, and it's in L.A. It's like a lot of competition. But up here, it's, it's kind of give or take depending on where you are at um, as far as the competition. Um, certain clubs, you might go in there and it's, you know, 20 comedians trying to get on stage. And then other venues you might go and it's only eight comedians there. So it kind of just depends on the venue. Wow. Uh, last Friday, I had Erica Switzer on, who is, uh, she's from Chicago. She, she's working in Chicago. I don't know if that's where she's originally from, but she started, she's a black lady, and she started doing comedy in Taiwan, China. Um, Wow. And taught English in Paris. Uh, so a lot of her stuff is about that. But she a great interview, and she was talking about, uh, first of all, there were two, two issues here that why I brought up that she's a black lady. She, we were talking about the difference between uh, performing, because she does a lot of uh, what she calls black clubs, where it's pre- predominantly all black comedians and the audience is all black, as opposed to working in mainstream rooms where you have a mix of racially and she said the audiences in black rooms are more demanding you have to be good fast faster in a black room or they'll kill you and you're going to need to change your act if you're not getting uh support right away you'll notice that the room isn't with you uh do, do you share that opinion um, she's absolutely right. A lot of um, just being a black woman, I'm just going to keep it real that, you know, when you're in a black 
audience, uh, they are more um, subjected to wanting you to do your best. So if you come in there, half stepping, they they will let you know for sure. Right. Yeah. And what about the the challenges with being a woman in comedy? Uh, as much opportunity for men, or is it um, is, is it harder? Personally, um, I haven't had any direct. Um, I would say I wouldn't. I I haven't had any direct situation where I felt like because I was a woman, I wasn't getting treated fairly, but. I have seen other comedian women ha- that have been mistreated as a woman comic. What about so, what I, about I the Me Too issue? Like the 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 male toxic ma- masculinity of guy, especially if they hit. You know what? A young man hears uh, you used to be an exotic dancer. They're going to assume they're going to assume things and and treat you with less respect or. Um, or wanting wanting a little something that that they really are not supposed to want just because of that. And a lot of women are facing, you know, you want stage time, you gotta you gotta put out a little. Any of that? Um, to, I, I'm gonna just be honest. Um, I've been told that because I can be a little bit reserved. Um, maybe just from being Nebraska, I can be reserved and conservative. And I've been told a couple of times, you just need to, you know, flirt a little bit, just be a little bit nicer. So, and then you can get on, you know, the shows and things of that nature. But philosophy yeah, that's is, a subtle me too. That's a subtle like uh, abuse where, yeah, they again, that not necessarily coming out and saying you're going to have to put out, but be a little flirty and you know what? Yeah. Yeah. I get it. You so, get it. You get it. You see it. Um, but my philosophy has always been, if I'm not funny enough to just get on the stage, grace your stage, then I'll pass. Yeah. Well, that's a good attitude. I, I guess, uh, I, hopefully things will change in that while, <clears throat> We're on the subject of women's rights. This is a good time for me to take one minute to talk about um, my guest on Wednesday night on my evening program, a guy named Gary Paul Kaufman. has written two books, uh, uh, Lipstick Warriors, about the women in Afghanistan Ooh. and uh, the treatment they're getting from, from men. And, and the re- this is a, uh, sort of a commercial or sort of a prompt to my audience. He's written these two books. The, the goal here is to raise awareness for how women in Afghanistan had taken 20 years step backwards because they started to get some respect and treatment and on a level of where American women are now, it's not perfect for American women by any means, but uh, compared to what the Taliban put women through over there. So it's a, he's trying to raise awareness with these books and he's got free downloads, Gary Paul two books. You can download absolutely free. Uh, there is a, a, um, some, somebody who's working with him who has still got some contacts over there in uh, Afghanistan, and it's basically looking to let the women there who are being 
completely mistreated and put back in the Stone Age to let them know that they're not forgotten because the news cycle was concentrating heavily on them for about a week and it feels like they've been forgotten. So Gary Paul Kaufman, go there and download both his novels, absolutely free, Kindle versions of his novels, absolutely free. Uh, it will be doing a good cause to help people out. So I wanted to put that a out Good there. education, yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, um, back to the comedy stuff now. What are your goals? Do you have, uh, is stand-up comedy your end goal or is there something bigger like stage theater any of that kind of stuff beyond film any of that beyond uh stand-up i really love to travel so i honestly would love to be a traveling comedian i want to just be able to travel on a consistent basis like maybe being you know, this part of the country tomorrow and then the next part the next day. I just really, um, that's one of my main goals. Um, I wouldn't mind possibly getting on um, some type of uh, special, like a Netflix special. Um, I wouldn't mind doing a little bit um, of acting. I, not per se acting, but skits. Um, I wouldn't mind doing something like that. Um, but yeah, just a lot of traveling. Um, and again, like the skits and maybe even a, a play. Um, I wouldn't mind doing a play. You've got you've got a lot of things on the roster. <laughs> I mean, since you, how, how did you travel from Nebraska to Nevada? Did you, did you do a little road trip? Yes, I did a road trip, unfortunately, and I've been traumatized ever since. But yes, I did a road trip. Um, Why would happen? Um, I had drove primarily. I've done a lot of traveling, but I never drove um, from the Midwest to like the West Coast. I've always drove like from Nebraska to Florida, um, Atlanta. So it's kind of flat. But sure. Um, California in uh, Colorado, Utah, it's a lot of mountains, a lot of hills, a lot of curves. And that was the first time doing that. And uh, the mountains just really, really just <laughs> do something to me, just driving down a mountain. And the California people, they do it like they just walking. And they, <laughs> I mean, when they go down the mountains, I'll be like, aren't they scared? And they like, no, we're just going down the hill. So yes, I um drove from Nebraska to Vegas. Were you in the dark desert during the nighttime? Yes, the nighttime I was driving through the mountains through the night. It was it was traumatizing. When yeah. we did that on the road trip across the country, my my friend who was driving cuz I don't know how to drive a car, uh she was actually hallucinating because it was so dark. I mean, we had the stars above us, but but we had desert. It was it was like driving in a void. So she was seeing things, you know, run across the road and um, it, she had to stop and literally switch drivers with our, our other car. It was it was interesting. It was, I, I uh, actually wrote a song about that. Uh, the monsters uh, in, in art on the road. Talk? Yeah, because I'm doing a lot of that when I was a young man, especially yeah. traveling for music and stuff. You go on a long trip and late at night when it gets really dark, you will see monsters running across the road. Whoa. <laughs> 
but the hill stuff, yeah, I'm from it's pr- pretty flat on Long Island, even though I'm on the North Shore now and there are hills up here. But I remember the first time driving in Missouri late at night and coming da- driving down this really steep hill, and it was like, wow, this is really uncomfortable for me. How do people? <laughs> You know, driving down hills, it's almost like on a it's such a steep incline that it feels like this is scary. This is a roller coaster. It's not not comfortable at all. Um, so, um, your family back in Nebraska? Uh, do are they uh, do they know about your stand up career and uh, are they supportive of it? Oh yeah, my um my sister is one of my biggest fans. She always encourages me to keep going and. Um, definitely got a lot of support from my sister. Not too much of my, I have a lot of nieces and nephews. Um, not too much from them because, you know, they're younger and they haven't experienced. I think comedy, you have to, well, certain comedy, um, you have to have experienced a couple of things in your life to kind of get it. And um, they not too much, but, you know, my sisters and my brother, and my friends and stuff like that back home definitely supported me. Yeah. Is it a big sister, little sister? It's my big sister. That's yeah. nice. Is she funny too? Or like, are those jeans the same? I get a lot of my material from her. Um, <laughs> super funny. She used to pick on me all the time. And she's the oldest of five. So she mm. used to pick on all of us all the time. So I get a lot of my comedy actually from... Um, my older sister and my older brother. Sis in charge. Cool. Uh, William Conway says that Colorado at night, you will most likely see a bear. You're thinking uh, real monsters. I'm talking about hallucination monsters uh, like Godzilla size 100 foot uh, and, and marshmallow men and things like that. That I, <laughs> I honestly wish I would have spent more time in there. Matt, if you ever go to another one of those desert parties out near me, pick just swing by and pick me up. I want to go to one. A deal. That's a deal. Uh, now, the people that go out there are absolutely – I I think I uh, – you were on the program when we talked about uh, the first one where uh, Andy uh, – oh, Andy pissed in a glass and, and Inman had to drink it to be king, king of the party. Uh, <laughs> those people are crazy. <laughs> oh, look, we've got a party I want to go to. All right. <laughs> Yeah, no. Uh, they, Naima, they... do you have like a lot of pins on the map then? Since you've been tra- you said you went to Florida. You've you know you've obviously done the road trip um, over here to Nevada. So, do you have any favorites on the map? Any places that are just stick in your mind that you that you just hold in your heart because you like to travel so much? Um, I love Chicago. Um, I've st- I stayed in Chicago for a little bit. Um, Evanston, Illinois, which is a suburb. Um, northern. California, not California, excuse me, Chicago. Yeah. So I love Chicago. I love California. Um, I stayed in Florida. So, I mean, I, it's the only place, honestly, that I moved to that I really, really was just not happy there was Kentucky. I lived in Bowling Green, Kentucky. And it just was super, <laughs> super, 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 like, boring. There was nothing there. I mean, it was just not my my style. I had a guy on from uh, Kentucky earlier. What was it this week? I'm not even sure. I mean, it, it, it all runs into together. But uh, he was talking about just how conservative the state is. It but is it, it, it also the fact that um, 
they're all a bunch of, according to him, I'm not, I, this is not coming from me, so Kentucky, please hold up on your hate mail. But they're all drunk and stoners, but, uh, and, and, but weed is not legal there, but everybody in the state smokes weed. <laughs> Like, you know, hypocritical kind of stuff. I'm so curious if, like, the people of those kinds of places, Kentucky, like, because I feel that it must be more sad to be conservative. Maybe I'm wrong. Like, I feel because you're talking about like, it's like being a stoner, I feel is pretty is is attached to the liberal mindset, you know, you would Uh, think, but I don't not necessarily. Uh, Maybe not. But I just wonder, like, if people that live in these states that, you know, have have just put that abortion stamp all over all over the place like all the other restrictions that i feel like the conservative mindset um uh includes like are they forced to be there or do they really love being there because it sounds like it's a pretty shit place well what i asked him about because i was really curious about because do they consider themselves a southern state or northern state because in the civil war they fought on the side of the north oh uh, but when you think of Kentucky, you think of redneck kind of uh, southern state. They consider themselves a southern state now, which is part of their their whole conservatism and all that stuff. But it's just it's odd how they kind of evolved backwards <laughs> in their thinking uh, from being liberal in 1865 to being very conservative in 2022 i do have to say if there's if there's one issue that's not as divisive as the rest we're like over 90 percent of people are on board it's pretty much weed legalization so i can see that that's a an all for one kind of thing in america right now uh, and 90 percent is it i that's what I, maybe maybe my friends are like convincing uh, me that it's more than that um, one thing about Nebraska too, it's conservative, but it sometimes splits. Like when we have um, the voting, it'll go, um, it'll split down the middle. So it 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 does have some liberal ideas, and it does have some conservative ideas. Wow. So Nebraska will split in half as far Nebraska as Nebraska is one of those states that almost is never in the news. <laughs> Yeah, that's a good thing, I think. Like, I think if you're in the news too much, it, that means a lot of bad stuff is going on. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, a really good place. it's a really good place to raise a family, for sure. Just got me thinking about this uh, percentages because it's I over sixty eight percent. I was being a little bit generous. Okay, <laughs> because <laughs> it, I live in my state, world that's like over ninety percent. It's it's recreational legal here, but we still don't have stores where you can buy recreational. But there's still a strong con- contingent in New York who would still prefer it to be illegal. I mean, we hear about it. I hear about it all the time. If people, people still think of it as a gateway drug that, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, man, I've been doing weed for so many years. And like, I feel like people think that I'm this huge druggie and I like, I don't even drink alcohol. It's, it's its own thing. Like guys, it's, I mean, I would, I would assume that different people taken their, their, uh, intoxications differently. Um, and their addictions, but uh, I don't know if it's everything that your mom told you it was. I mean, I I am a um, active weed smoker. I like, I mean, weed to me, it actually is an upper for me. Like if I smoke some weed, I'm about to start cleaning. I'm about to start cleaning. <laughs> being that sativa will get you. Yeah, it's it's. 
I mean, it's medicine to me. I, it's, I've said it, that too. It's medicine. It's like, and it actually comes from a flower. So, huh. I mean, a plant. Now, I agree with you. It's always been for me. See, I come from an era, you know, the Stone Age, where the Stone Age, age. when we got Stone Age, um, <laughs> there was no sativa or indica, and there was no, it was basically brown weed, green weed, Hawaiian, Jamaican, Colombian, homegrown. That was it. I mean, that's what we had, the tie stick. But uh, so there were no this label. Now it, it, we've come to this point where, oh, sativa is an upper and it's going to make you creative and indica is going to make you mellow and sleep on the couch. To me, weed was always just something I would do to get into the creative zone and and really uh, feel up and feel energized to I want to do something creative now. Didn't matter if it was sativa, indica. We didn't even know about that. Now, they have that, and I, I go back and forth with choosing indica. And, like, indica, the stuff they say is supposed to mellow me out actually has the opposite effect. It makes that me happens. creative. You know, yeah. yeah, it does. That does happen sometimes. So I was, I'm thinking it's all bullshit. It's all just marketing. It's all we need, you know, put more terms on stuff. Call it kush. Call it bubble gum. Call it gorilla glue. Call it whatever you want. It's all weed at the end of the day. <laughs> Naima, do you either light up or take a shot or anything like that before you go on stage? Um, it just depends. I try to um uh, go on stage. I can't smoke weed and go on stage. Um, I will forget. Your bed. I will forget every line. <laughs> I'll be stuck up there like okay. I've done it before at an open mic, never at a show, but at an open mic, and I just literally went up there and was like. I can't do this and walk off. <laughs> Luckily, it was a friend of mine that hosts the show, and he was like, "Okay, she can't do this today." <laughs> but um, other than that, um, I might take a shot. Um, I'm a um, gin. Um, <gasps> Me too. If I ever drink, I'm a gin girl. Go. <laughs> yeah, I gin make um, my stepmom. She used to always say, "Gin make you sin." So I will. <laughs> I never heard that before. I never heard that either. <laughs> yeah, Jen will make you sin. Um, but um, I will take a shot of Bombay. That's my favorite Jen. I'll take a shot of that, and that'll get me pretty in a mellow, you know, in a in between mood. I'm a Tanqueray-ho. <laughs> Yeah, I like me too. Tanqueray. I like Tanqueray. It's very clean taste. My my son told me because he caught me ordering a gin and tonic once they said gin and tonic is an old woman's drink <laughs> thank you thank you son uh, <laughs> um you mentioned wanting to be like the traveling part of it now i to me there's a, there's romanticism in the in the um the road comic you know the, doing one night stands in in different towns and getting to see the different cultures are in America and all that kind of stuff. But I'm always curious about how that gets started. How you, because in musicianship, basically the idea was you get a booking agent. They just book in places. You rent a van, you're going with people. You're living in a van, eating fish out of a can to survive and all that kind of stuff. It's a tough thing, but how you actually get started in that. Do you, is there, uh, do you have any um, insights into how you actually get started in that life or, and set up a tour for yourself? Um, it, it's kind of like the, 
the musicians, like basically, like you said, um, with me not having, you know, not being a famous comedian, um, a lot, if I do want to just like say, okay, I just want to, you know, quit my day job and just go a hundred percent on the road. Um, you, you, you basically can do that way. Just call different clubs in different cities and see if you can be an opening act or if you can get some time on the show and just like you said, get a, a van and just hit it. Yeah. Do you have now? Uh, do you have a TikTok page or um, YouTube channel or any of that kind of stuff going on? I have a TikTok page. I have YouTube. I have Instagram. I have. I was trying to send, find you on YouTube. Yeah, right? you, you got to send me links because I was searching for this stuff so we could promote your stuff today, and uh, couldn't find it. Yes, um, my YouTube is called um, Where Is Naima. Um, my Instagram is Naima Simone. The comedian. Um, that's my Instagram, and my Facebook is Naima Simone, the comedian. Right. I would just uh, uh, and I hate to give advice, but I think branding, being consistent with, the, and I am I'm guilty of the same thing you are of not being not having the same hashtag, same label for uh, for all my social media about. stuff. You gotta. This is just Paul. It's everywhere. It's the only name I use. Yeah. <laughs> That, and that's a good example. Of, this is Jess Paul. She's consistent of uh, across all her channels of, of promotion. It's that. And I think that's important. I, I fall down on that, too. So that would be my advice. Follow her. Follow her lead on that. Uh, as far as branding goes, the Facebook page looks outstanding. I mean, as far as designing and stuff. Uh, do you have somebody working with you with, with that kind of stuff? Because this is a... This is a place where a lot of comedians I talk to, especially people who are uh, on that level where just still trying to break through to public consciousness, um, don't work with anybody as far as branding and don't are not natural marketing person, people and, or design people. Do you have somebody working with you with that or are you doing it all yourself? I do. Um, I do it all myself. Wow. And I, yeah. I mean, I get, um, I get advice. Um, I am a big time reader. So if it's something that I don't know or don't understand or can't get the advice, I will go out there and research and search it until I cannot, until my brain is like, okay, 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 give it me a break. And then I'll get back <laughs> on it and research it more. So I always look for the answer if I can't find it. Wow. Um, do you have any uh, upcoming shows that you want to let our uh, audience know about today? We do have quite a, a, a big numbers in uh, Las Vegas, Nevada, actually. Uh, on the audio side, I believe our average in the state of Nevada is 10,000 downloads a week. So um, that, that's uh, probably 10,000 users, I would think, in the state of Nevada. So pretty big audience. I have, I have one of my biggest shows that I've done um it will so if they follow me on Instagram or on Facebook um I'll have an update here probably in a week or so they haven't made the final date um it's going to be the end of August the beginning of September it's one of my biggest shows I actually get to be very creative on this show the person that produces it um, allowed me to bring in some of my ideas, so it's going to be my biggest show I've ever done. Well, do me a favor when 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 we're done today, if you can, uh, I'll 
DM me all your links so uh, or where I can find you. Make it a little easy for me. I'll put the links in the description for people so that they don't have to go searching you out. We'll make it easy for them to find you and follow you. Um, and I will just say this. If, if anything, uh, even if you're not back on the program, but you have something big like that and you get the information, just send it to me and I'll share it with the audience as uh, best I can and help promote uh, things you're doing. So, All uh, right. Thank you. I appreciate it. No, we appreciate you being here, uh, and I wish you the best of luck with uh, with all the stuff. It's been great to get to know you, uh, and again, uh, we're going to encourage people to follow up with you, if you could, if you don't mind. Uh, no, no problem. All the, you know, I like you said, I'm in the process of building um, a brand, and so I'm always, you know, happy and grateful for whoever follows me and, you know, comes along with me on this journey. Great. Appreciate you being here. Thank you. All right. Uh, Thank you. Thanks. Have a great day. Bye for now. Bye. Uh, we have to say goodbye to governors, right? Well, not right now. we got five minutes. I'll, I'll let them we'll hang for another Keep Gov's five around minutes. for another five. Uh, yeah. Um, similar, uh, a little reserved. I think that that's how I would classify her um, personality, which, She's you know. Nebraska. Yeah. And the thing is, I find a lot of comedians, uh, when they're not performing, can be that way. A little shy, a little, I don't know, reserved is the best word. And you don't think of it because people think, oh, comedians must be on all the time. And I think that's a, a big mis uh, misconception. I think they're probably a lot more like her than than the, the opposite. So I mean, it's the same with actors. You know, when somebody comes from a background of like being a host or being a being a stage performer or just being an ostentatious kind of like attention seeker. Right. <laughs> I don't know if there's any fingers pointing at me, but um, but, yeah. you know, or, or just somebody who who just loves loves the craft for the art, but was a secret uh introvert their whole life like i think all those different personalities still apply to to the entertainment industry i i can never predict who i'm going to run into at a party and what they're well i can almost predict they're they almost always are in show business but um what they're going to be like that's a whole different story I'm going to turn the tables on you a little bit here because you asked her about uh, whether she ever like smokes before she goes on stage. Uh, in acting, in film, uh, is that a thing or not? Oh, my God. Like, I, it would be the same thing where I would be very afraid that I would forget <laughs> all my lines. Like, that would be the only wrong thing. Though, I do have to say... I do have to say, I have this secret little, like, I've got all these ideas that, like, are always in the back of my mind. But I was like, wouldn't it be a fun experiment to do an entire movie stoned? And that be, like, kind of the gimmick of the movie? I mean, I know that there have been stoner movies. Um, I'm sure Cheech and Chong probably were stoned their entire, like, entire movie anyways. But, so maybe that's already kind of been done. But maybe, like, take more of a... um you know, that was a very like high comedy, like, you know, very obvious, like this is what they're going for kind of thing. But what if there was a character that literally was just living in the real world, but like the entire, you know, execution of the movie just stoned all day. <laughs> Have you ever seen super high me? Uh, no. Yeah. Uh, so super size me. It was the documentary um, that, that, you know, uh, the, the, our do the documentarian ate, fast food for I think an entire month, you know, McDonald's. 
And so super high me, a different comedian kind of did a spin on that where he was high all month, like, and just kind of was reporting back how it felt. Obviously everything outside of moderation above moderation can get really tiresome. And he, and by the end of it, he was just like, <laughs> I don't, I don't care for this anymore. But um, I think, and so I think if I was filming something like that, it would be, it would be a slog after a while. And I would just be, can I nap now? Are we done here? But now your Monday night show starts at nine, my time, right? Nine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'll be leading into you with it because I, I don't want to compete with you, but I wanted to make sure that 8 p.m. on Monday, James Balsamo, uh, Balsamo, he's a local filmmaker to me. He's from here, but he just uh, put together a film. I know because you mentioned Tommy Chung, which got me thinking about it. Tommy's in that movie. I don't know how he got Tommy to be in the movie. Um uh, but so he'll do anything. He'll, yeah, he, he'll, no, he's. I I was thinking I'm gonna get him on the um the thing that for Christine yeah uh, that Sunday uh as part of the show. Was he on but, the forty hour one? He was scheduled for it, but uh, I I I screwed up the timing on it. But we'll get it right this time. But he's been on my show half a dozen times at least, and uh, he's a friend. I mean, because. Uh, you know, we have, we share a lot of common interests uh, beyond the weed stuff. But I think, yes, the answer to your question is yes, they were very stoned. <laughs> doing, doing most I, of I'm going to check out those episodes. I would love to know who he is as, you know, just more of a person outside I of that I find character. him extremely deep, extremely um, I bet. wise. So you would not think of stone, you know, most people. Oh, think. no. That sounds about right to me. Somebody who spent their whole life uh, ethereal, like – gazing and and thinking you know while they're high like i i i mean <laughs> i probably had thought my ideas were a lot better when i had them when i was high but at the same time i think that you can get pretty introspective when you in, indulge and engage um in the in the flower yeah we uh, i did one show that we just dedicated to talking about his how prison life had changed him and 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 what he learned in prison and he very open about how he got special treatment because of his celebrity status oh, okay hmm. uh but the kind of because he was cellmates with the wolf of wall street no so was <laughs> it one was it one of those like high tech uh kind it of was it wasn't a high tech it was low tech but it was a um kind of a resort prison yeah a resort prison yeah it was okay. an out outdoor thing they basically could grow their own weed and within the prison stuff like wait that. a minute what do you go to jail for for weed for for sm selling bongs uh, basically they set him up uh he, he was running a um a bong his, his son was running it, but you know it's his his business he put up the money for it son was running a business selling bongs and you, at the time, it was illegal to ship the stuff out of state. He had people in the factory where FBI, they came and applied for jobs to work in the factory and sent stuff across lines uh, to, to customers, even knowing that was against the company's policy and set him up. Uh, it's a really Dude. interesting story about how he got set up. I'm going to be watching those shows on, on playback. Everybody <laughs> else, go find them too. We'll watch them together. We'll have a review sesh after. Yeah, yeah. but a really super interesting guy with all, with his insights. And, um, you know, some, some he's very 
political, very, very um, as you would imagine, uh, a, a lefty in most regards. Uh, but he's got some really, uh, really interesting takes. And I love talking to him. I, I always love talking to him about everything. Because you could ask him a question about something and he'll answer, the, you know, start to answer your question, but then go on so many tangents. That- cool. That's a kind of, that's a kind of conversation I like to like to have. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, with you now, you got. I know this is your busy season coming up, um, and I was a little. I wrote a song, and I, Candace uh, Horback, who is better known as Eva Lavia in the porn world, uh, I shared this with her when she was on the show because we were talking about her marriage and how. We were talking about jealousy and how does her husband ever get jealous of her being a porn star? And I, I. From that, and I shared this idea, I got this idea for a song about if you really love somebody, you want them to be happy and you want them. So as much, (laughs) this is an awkward way of saying this, as much as I love having you being on this program (laughs) here, I'm a little bit sad that you know you're not more in demand on a friday to, to say well that you know this is i you have time for this i'm a little bit disappointed that you, I'm, gonna, I'm hoping hoping that you be doing a film today or doing a commercial today or something like that so i'm grateful to have you but in the same sense i'm still that's uh, sweet that's a sweet way to say that thanks yeah so the song i wrote is called uh, you're better off with him it was basically come out of that conversation to be oh. to be that truly wanting the best for somebody else rather than having a selfish motive. If this is best for you and this is what's going to make you happy, uh, that's what I want for you. So what I want for you is to be too busy to actually have to do my show, although I would miss you terribly. Oh, thank (laughs) you. I appreciate that. That's an awkward way of saying that, isn't it? Well, this is kind of like, well, I know, so I've been trying to keep, keep up to date here so this is kind of the end of like the five or six weeks um where your previous ho- uh co-host was supposed to be on vacation but it sounds like she's not coming back like i don't think she's coming i don't think she's coming back i did a gig with her uh last week she's still she in was, the band she yeah well, and we, we do acoustic stuff together uh, duo stuff together okay and she was uh as she was phenomenal last weekend but then i uh, had some gigs come up this weekend tonight i'm doing a solo show because she's not available for it she hasn't mentioned coming back i don't think she is i think you know uh frustration with uh nobody uh being open to uh her position on things uh, not nobody but very few people in the in my audience i get it it's tough and especially if you weren't kind of a a personality not even like even an entertainment personality if they're constantly put in a place where they're not being received i understand that that could be uh you just don't want to go there anymore you know yeah i don't think i don't think she's coming back she hasn't mentioned it and i think there's a reason she hasn't mentioned it okay um so you're gonna have to find a new a new permanent co-host soon i don't know i'm I'm kind of I like I like the way it's been going. I mean, the only part part where it gets difficult is when I have a guest that doesn't show up, and now I got to talk for two hours by myself. Or yeah, and that's been real. That that has. I understand. Fortunately, Donald Trump has given me a lot to talk about <laughs> lately. Uh, 
Uh, were you up with the news last night? And all that I was. Stuff? I was listening to the beginning of your show, and um, I I know that he was raided. That that Mar-a-Lago was raided, and I I don't know, Matt. I'm so I'm so desensitized to getting like the 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 possibility of getting any kind of justice for any of his behavior. It seems like it seems like we've nailed him so many times for things and then just nothing happens. Right. I agree with that 100%. So. I I feel like I I've said this like almost in in jest but Hitler was <laughs> Hitler was almost taken out several times, but he seemed to have a dark guardian angel that protected him from hmm. getting bombed, getting turned in, getting assassinated by his own people. I uh. think Donald Trump has that mojo where there's a dark guardian angel that keeps getting him out of trouble. But uh, at some point, th- if this one turns out to be true, I don't see how he could survive selling nuclear secrets to a terrorist nation that is uh, responsible in whole for 9-11 is that what i i just thought he just like kind of took them home by accident like i didn't know if he had plans two billion dollars in cash in his son-in-law's uh deposited in his son-in-law's personal uh investment account by the saudi government yo uh, with no explanation for it at all like what did you give them for this no they just like me two billion dollars in greenbacks yeah, uh, the Saudis have been sponsoring his golf tournaments and all that kind of stuff. He's in bed deep with the Saudis. It, it, it's and, and again, it's so egregious because on the surface it looks bad, and it, it's not even like it's a secret bad. It's a it's like it's glaring in our face, and and he's laughing at everybody, like the entire country. Like, I don't. Yeah, yeah, uh, but I I do share that. Wow, they can never nail this guy. He's like that opinion or that uh, just being desensitized enough to say, well, how can he escape this? This is just like, you know, the noose is is getting tighter around him. How can he get? But the encouraging thing last night was all the major Republicans, the politicians, Republicans, not the people rank and file, but the Republicans who've had his back, all the major ones, were very silent last night. Like, ooh, they, you could you could hear them going, "Oh, <laughs> I didn't know, I didn't know, I never thought he was capable of that." That's what you're hearing from Lindsey Graham. That's what you're hearing from uh, Jim Jordan. All these people who were just had sucked his dick so hard for the last seven years. Uh, they all of a sudden like, "Wait a minute, that's a bridge too far." I even I won't cross that. One. Well, that's good to hear. So, yeah. so there was a. This big update actually happened last night that there was that all of the Washington Post. Well, the Washington Post came out with a story that uh, about the nuclear stuff. It hasn't been verified yet. Okay. And and part of my reluctance to even believe it is I can't imagine the FBI letting him stay where and not being in jail if it's true. Because if if that's true, I know it. And, and the thing is, Merrick Garland, the, the, the AG, came out and said, no one is above the law. Well, if that's true, he is above the law. Because if it were you or me and we had we were selling nuclear secrets to an enemy yeah. state, we'd be in jail. We would not be home. Right. And, and we're not a flight risk. We don't have the ability to go to any right. country in the world and just live there and start over again. He does. 
Right, 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 right. I don't huh. know. Huh. <gasps> so, um, moving on, let's. Uh, my friend Gary Paul Corkman, the author who has got these books, I hope you'll uh, uh, help me with this and to just download the books. Even if you're not going to read them, download the Kindles. It helps raise awareness. You know what he needs? He needs a podcast. <laughs> like he needs a mini series because I was just whenever somebody talks to uh, to me about a book, I tell them I don't read. I'm illiterate. I I really can only listen while I work. So he needs to he needs to sit down and record his book into um into he a need, microphone. He needs to get an audio. I, I I brought that up to him a couple of times. Oh, Mind yeah. You? Mine's the only podcast he's ever done. In oh, world. my goodness. Yeah. Okay. For all his books. Because it does. Uh, it sounds so important. But but the medium these days, I feel, I mean, maybe I'm in my own little bubble. But, like, a book, a book is is hard to get people to to pick up. Two books. Two books. Jeez, look, look how at those. Thick they are too. Yeah, they're pretty. They're super uh, pretty. Yeah, Lip Lipstick Warriors: The First Chronicle and Lipstick Warriors: Darkness Falls. Now, he started writing it as it appeared when he he was looking at uh, the fact that the U.S. had agreed to start pulling out of Afghanistan, and he was concerned that because while America was there, they got rights that women have in America. In, in other words, they could go to work. They didn't have to have uh, a male family member escort them where they can go. They did not have to co cover their face. They um, were allowed to get employment and, 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 and do important things. Now, they had made those progress during the 20 years we were there. The minute we pulled out, the Taliban came in and quickly even though the world wasn't paying attention, took away all their rights. Now, women are not allowed out of the home without a male family member escort. They're not allowed to work. They have, And they are being imprisoned if they say anything or complain at all. They get thrown right. in prison. They get beaten, treat, treated like unwanted uh, stray dogs. They're beaten if they open their mouth. Like, uh, ridiculous. I mean, you think women in this country have it bad until you look at how the Taliban treat those. And, of course, women don't have it great in this country. But the discussion was this. How quickly and subtly the Taliban implemented this when, when the world stopped looking. And how could it, how has it taken effect in the rest of the world? And when you look at 10-year-old girls in Ohio uh, who get raped, and then the Ohio state says, well, she should look at that as a opportunity and oh force, force yeah, them to give birth to her rapist right, child right, or, right. or with the threat of imprisonment. doesn't seem like we're that far from the Taliban. So the, it, it's not just about Afghan women. It's about women's rights all over the world, and it's kind of looking at how, the, how quickly that slippery slope can happen and can happen even in this country so it's about raising complete awareness worldwide about not let and you know not letting our sisters uh be subjugated to less than animal treatment uh, it's and that's what we're looking at in america right now i mean that ten, this was a, that's not a made-up story a 10 year old yeah girl right got raped by a guy and they wanted to put her in jail she had to cross state lines to get an abortion right under the threat of imprisonment, man, it's like, can you can you believe after all 
the struggle women have got to get the power to vote and all that stuff in this country. And we're making strides that we've gone that far back in this country and how quickly it can happen in Afghanistan is how quickly it could happen here in the last. We're, it, it, I mean, it happened practically overnight right. when that, when the, that judicial um, uh, proclamation was basically set. It, it was like, Oh, I thought we were moving forward. I thought that my life as I live it is going to be better than my parents. And, you know, the next generation Gen Z is going to have it better. But to regress is I, I didn't even. Yeah. Like you're saying, I'm, I'm just reiterating it, it, it's head spinning to see how possible it is that that it, it could all it could all change overnight. And they, they, the minute you take your eye off the ball, which is the point, because the news cycle, and again, I blame Trump a lot for this, but it's not complete. It's the media that, that feeds off of him. But when that takeover in Afghanistan happened, it was the big story in the news, and everybody was all over it for about a week until Trump farted or something stupid. Yeah, and, and then all of a sudden, oh, Donald Trump again. And like, let's forget about that. And the minute you take your eye off the ball is when, they started to revert to the Stone Age and nobody paying attention. They can do it without any U.N. or any Human Rights Commission looking into this. Nobody is caring at all. It's like these women are now on their own. So what he wants them to do, and I don't know, for me it's a conflict of how much I support this, but he, he thinks the Afghan women, which is why it's called Lipstick Warriors, should take on the Taliban themselves because they outnumber them. They're smarter than them. They're better shots. Most of them, they have better training. So he wants a civil war in which the women take on the Taliban and he thinks they can win. And wow. uh, It's so interesting because like this, and this is just me, I'm not putting this on, on women, but like when I think of this situation, when I even was thinking of the situation that we have here of like, and it was what I was saying about, were were we talking about Tennessee? And I said, you know, who really wants to live there as opposed to who's kind of being forced because of the restrictions of traveling, uh, moving yourself. Like I, I just, I just keep having this fantasy that if, if every, if like a good chunk of the females were able to, to, you know, uh, basically protest in their reg- resignation of being part of the culture, meaning, meaning if all of these people like moved to the North moved, but I mean, I know that that's just not realistic, but it would send such an obvious message of like, we're taking your women away. I saw, I, I, I should really watch this movie. Cause I, I've only seen a trailer of this one movie that I keep at. That's always in my mind, but I should really actually see how the movie turned out. Have you ever heard of the movie shy rock? No. It, I, I don't know if it really did any numbers. I, I really got to go research this because it's just the trailer that always stuck in my mind. And it was the idea of like um, Chicago, Chicago uh, the, the women of Chicago taking a stand against the, I'm going to say the gang violence of the city by, by restricting sex from their gang member boyfriends. And basically protesting in that way, like because it was the way that they could. Now you'll say like, well, that might result in physical rape. And right, and, right, and yeah. that's the scary part that that that's where that ends and that makes it worse and it causes so much more trauma. Um, but but that's why I think like 
if if the women would evacuate, if it was possible, and I know it's not necessarily possible, uh, these places, uh, be it be it you know where where the Taliban is, you know if they if they literally did not have the women available to meet their needs or to you know cook, do their cleaning, do their cooking, be their be their 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 sex slaves, you know. Um, what, what, what does that culture have going for them? They couldn't even reproduce their culture. Uh, but, but that's just a fantasy, um, for, to me, um, it's probably not, not realistic or, or implementable, but I, that's just kind of what, what always has been in the back of my mind is protest and your resignation. Right. Well, uh, there was a couple of things here. First of all, I asked him if there was any possible political solution or any solution that doesn't require violence in his mind and he said no that the only only way only thing that's going to save these women is, is fighting and and he he his consultant is a guy who was part of the war and, and, and a soldier and uh and still has uh boots on the ground over there one people on the ground and he said no so now the conflict for me is Civil war, that means a lot of innocent women are going to have to die and a lot of bloodshed and a lot of the, the bloodshed is going to be, even if they win, they're still going to take some incredibly terrible losses on this. Right. So that's, that's part of my struggle or conflict with wanting to support this idea of women taking up civil war. It means uh, oh, you have it bad now, but you want to be dead instead? Uh, and, and at some point, it's better off to be dead than to, than to be treated like like that. At some point, sometimes yeah. that's how I feel. Yeah. I mean, when I when this when you know I live in California, so at the current and unless it becomes a federal uh, issue, a federal mandate, um, I'm not really affected uh, as as a woman in this in this big civil uproar. But I mean, if I were to get pregnant. I mean, like I told you, I'm, I've practically been celibate. I mean, I've been practically celibate since before the, it even came down, but now it's like, Oh, there's another reason why I'm not going to sleep with any guys anytime soon. But, um, but if I were, if I were, uh, everybody just I, left a chat room now. No, <laughs> if, if I were to get pregnant and I've, I've said this out loud to my own parents, um, and I couldn't get an abortion for some reason, I'd rather kill myself than have that child at this place in time because it takes away every part of my of my identity, my goals that I've had since I was a, a young person growing like and, it, and that's what happened with me, too, is that when when women were 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 faced with a possible like not being forced upon to to be raped like when not being drugged or anything but when they were forced with the proposition to sleep with a producer as a um or or reject the producer and get blacklisted we're not talking about a one-time opportunity where a woman was like hey maybe i'll get a movie this woman this actress has worked for a decade or more, maybe since she was little, have, taking classes, climbing the ladders, building her catalog, getting known for her talent, uh, you know, building her her achievements and, and gaining her achievements. And then in one instance, it could either be handed to her or it could be all taken away. I don't mean just like if she rejects it, it it it's nothing, like nothing happens. No, no, no. She could be put on a list. She could be talked about that, you know, this girl doesn't put out, don't work with her um, or or just 
lying about her in general because um, this, you know, she did not say yes. So it's a little bit more than like, oh, well, don't you have dignity to say you won't sleep with the producer to get your role? Like, like I used to kind of look down on, on, you know, actresses that went to that degree to, to, you know, sleep with a director or producer, like, like they're taking the easy road. Um, just because I've never been like physically to my face been propositioned for that kind of thing. I've, I've, I've been in some weird situations, some question. Well, technically, I mean, do you know the story about how I was fired either because I was a really bad uh, stunt fighter or I didn't want to sleep with my director's wife? No. Do you want to hear that story? Yeah, yeah, sure. Okay, <laughs> it sounds interesting. <laughs> I mean, so there was, so it was, a, it was when I was getting pretty known in Pittsburgh. Okay. So there was a point in Pittsburgh at, towards the end of my career. So that was like, let's say like 2017 to 2018, where I was barely auditioning anymore. I was in the the top, like one of the only agencies in, in Pittsburgh for, you know, commercial and, and upscale work. And, um, and when it came to my reputation in the indie scene, people just knew me. They knew my name. They knew my work. We, we all knew each other. We were a small enough community that like Jess Paul, she, she's pretty good. And so this new guy rolled into town. We'll call him Steve. Um, Steve rolled into town. He came from Texas and he brought his whole family. He's a filmmaker and big man on campus. He was known, he, his big claim to fame was that he got his feature in Walmart. It was like, oh, like oh, everybody was like, oh my God, he got his, he got his feature DVD in Walmart. It was so, it was such a big deal because <laughs> the indie scene is just, you know, we're lucky to even get into like one of our local festivals that our friends are putting on. So, um, it, so it was kind of a big deal. And he was coming, like he had, he had, I think the, the reason we all knew about him is because he introduced himself on Facebook, part of like the big filmmaker group. And so people understood who he was. He was kind of good at promoting himself. People were talking about him. So he was at the first, um, we, we, we used to have these fun little crew meetups where we'd go to a local bar restaurant and we'd all just, you know, like cast and crew would indie filmmakers would um, go, hop table to table with their drinks or their hors d'oeuvres and, and chit chat, see what everybody's up to and collaborate, you know, start collaborations and stuff in the indie scene. And so I had thrown my, I, I was like, I don't know if I can make it tonight guys, but here's my reel. And so I threw up my reel and even since Pittsburgh, my reel has been pretty, um, it's, it's been great because like, even before I started in movies, I had my YouTube content that, that kind of showed what I can, how I present and how I perform and everything. So, um, it's, it was pretty impressive as far as indie reels go. And, uh, but I, I ended up going anyways and meeting him and he had already seen my reel and he's like, Oh, you're fantastic. You know, like, I'd love to work with you. And so I ended up talking with him and a, a group of other people for the rest of the night. And it came to the degree where like, he was very interested in, like, he was already offering me a part in a short, it was a proof of concept, um, of a, of a very cool action, action, dark, like a dark action comedy ish, you know, kind of deal. Um, and it was basically going to be a short, that was a proof of concept to, to get the money for the feature. He was going to go to the same producers that they got him that Walmart deal. And he was going to make this movie if we made a really good proof of concept. And so I, by night one, am like on board. He, I'm like his new muse. We're going to go do stuff. I go to dinner at his house um, at, with a couple other filmmaker friends. Like we arrange to, to have a dinner 
Um, like, and, and I, and I get to, like, I, I don't, I didn't usually do that. That wasn't a thing. Like we would all meet at the crew meetups or whatever, or meet around town. But like, it was neat to have a little dinner party with, with Steve and his wife, we'll call her Jennifer. Um, and, and then they had like two or three kids running around as well. And then, and, uh, you know, a couple other, um, filmmakers, one of the other filmmakers that were there was a stunt person. Uh, he was, that's what he was known for. He was a filmmaker, indie filmmaker, as well as a, a professional stunt person. Um, so I went to this dinner, you know, uh, had a lot more good conversation, um, ate pasta, uh, got to, you know, like, like get to see some of his, um, he had a lot of like costumes and props from his Walmart movie. I can call it that. Um, and so it, it was really cool. It was like, I was starting a new collaborate collaborative, um, creative friendship with, with Steve and, you know, some of these other people. And so, uh, and, and met his wife, got to make fast friends with his wife, um, uh, Jennifer, and, and learned that she was very uh, attached to his, she was a, a huge help and a huge part of his production company. She, she, you know, ran a lot of behind the scenes with him. And so because I don't drive a car, he offered to drive me home that night um, because it was actually pretty, it kind of far from my house. So I would have been like, shelling out to, to get a lift. And so I'm like, great, a good, another good opportunity to, to continue to chat some more. So we're chatting and we're talking about his wife and that, uh, and, and how, what role she plays in his production company. And he, he's talking and he goes, yeah, she's actually a really great judge of character. That's one of the things I love to, to have her around for. And one of the things that makes her kind of unique about that is that she's bisexual. And, and he was going to explain why that was relevant in a couple of minutes or a couple <laughs> seconds. But I, in solidarity, whenever, I don't know if this is true about everyone. I won't speak for the entire LGBT, but when somebody, when, when somebody says that like announces that they're LGBT, if somebody else in the group that they're talking to is also LGBT, there, there's no reason to not say, Hey, me too in solidarity. And especially because like, you know, you don't know who you're always talking to or what, what side of the line people stand on. And I would always, if I, if somebody announces that they're LGBT, it's like, Hey, me too. Like I'm, I'm on your side. I'm in your group, you know, kind of thing. And so when, when he says like, my wife's bisexual, I'm like, call me too, you know? And so like, I'm, I'm on your side. And so he was explaining how, I don't even know if this is really relevant, but like he was explaining how like if there was like an actress who was hard to work with, like she would be able to tell like the red flags really well. Like, I don't even know if it had anything to do with her bisexuality, but that was how he was explaining that that was a talent that she had or whatever. And so now I knew this about his wife. Cool. That's cool. And especially because like <clears throat> she really she was also kind of like a punk rocker. Like she kind of had similar aesthetics that, uh, that I do. Like she kind of like short cropped hair and she would wear band tees and stuff like that. And she was, um, over our friendship, like him and, and her and I would be you know, imagining a lot like friends do. And she would be inviting me. She'd be planning like some concerts she would, we, that we could go to, uh, some live shows. Cause I, I love that too. She was even offering to pay for them. And so there was one evening. So we had started, started preparing for this action adventure, short proof of concept. It involved a lot of fight choreography more than I have ever done. And probably, uh, should do. I'm 
I'm one of the reasons I don't drive is because I consider myself a pretty uncoordinated person when it comes <laughs> to anything physical dancing, even though I do, I will dance for you, but not that anyone wants to see it. Um, you know, I, and, and driving, like there was a point when I was playing dance dance revolution as a youth and my mom saw me and she thought that I should go get checked because, because I was so off of it, like compared to my brother and sister. So I never ended up, um, you know, really, really go. I mean, if I took some dance lessons, I feel like I would really improve myself, but haven't, haven't shelled out that money or time yet. But anyways, so we had already done about a session of choreography with our stunt person friend. He was going to choreograph, choreograph this entire thing. And I have to admit, it was a little bit challenging. But at the same time, every time we kind of like had a misstep, we kind of fell down. I was always like, okay, let's do it again. All right, let's do it again. You know, I was there and I was, we were filming it so that I could practice at home. Like I was going to, to put my all into it and to learn this. And it just was going to take me a little bit more time. And I wasn't a natural to begin with. At least that's how I looked at it. In fact, when, when we were walking down the driveway into his backyard to have this first choreography session it was the first time that steve asked me hey do you have any experience with stunt stuff yeah it was like the first time it was either like it was it was that close it was like either the night before or like on the on the way to the stunt session uh the first stunt stunt choreography session he goes like do you have any experience i'm like i mean i had one class of of uh you know pratfalls in in high school I cut my chin open, but I did it, you know, um, we, like I, I took the class and, and that's it. And he goes, cool. And so um, and so then we, we did the first session, uh, you know, a week later, like during the week after that, I was messaging with both Steve and Jennifer, the, the husband and wife uh, filmmakers. And I learned from I was like I was like, you know, messaging with them at the same time. And I learned that they were both like in the same room messaging with me. That would make sense. And they told me that one of them told me that. Um, and that was funny. Oh, it's funny. Okay. We're all talking together. Kind of, um, just, just text messaging. Uh, like I said, and so, uh, one thing that Steve ended up saying to me and during our conversation, he dropped something on me. He goes, by the way, if my wife seems like she's flirting with you, don't worry. She's not cheating. We have an open arrangement that, that she, you know, that she, can have girlfriends or whatever, whatever he would want, they'd want to call them. And, you know, right away, when you hear something like that, that sounds like at least the beginning of a proposition, It does, you know? Um, and I wasn't, I wasn't even expecting that to be a part of the, these, this relationship. But besides that one, I, I just, I wasn't interested in her in that way in general, but also that's, but even before me too, and before you would say like that, that there was a lot of that, that rape even was a part of it. Like, like the actual unwanted, uh, physical interactions of a producer or a director, it's still really tacky and really, um, unprofessional to be sleeping. Like in my opinion, you know what, in my opinion, like, again, we're, we're talking about consensual relationships. It's, I don't think it's really a great idea to be doing that, especially before shooting or during shooting that can muddy up so many waters for so many different reasons. And so the way that I responded to that message was that I said, you know, 
I'm that's really great that you guys have that arrangement and you're so comfortable with yourselves to be able to to have that. I I'm personally not like that. I would never engage in in uh in something like that, but I'm great that you guys are comfortable. So I thought I thought that that was a really kind and soft way to kind of put a lid on that conversation so that I could work with this filmmaker without having the added drama of sleeping with a married woman that he's married <laughs> the director is married to that just sounds like a mess moving to have it don't you think matt in your opinion uh, do you think i think I, I expressed that to you well not on this but i said you know i don't understand how and i know it's common practice for people who are involved in dramatic stuff or to uh have some kind of relationship Emotional. i don't ever think it's a good idea i think it's it's just it's not good for the work and it confuses you can reality because you're bending reality already when you get when you're acting together, and that whole bending of reality is not good for any kind of relationship. So I don't no. think either. I don't think it's a good idea. No matter. What. Yeah, I've I've never like engaged in a relationship of an actor that I met while I was on set, and then you know d I've never done that before. Um, I I don't think it's ever been quite a. a it was never necessarily uh, again proposition to me to to a great extent but um if that ever did happen and i was interested in like an actor or director i i have already in my in my own mind i'll say it out loud now to anybody watching like like i would engage with it only after the, the work is done in order to to remain professional and to make sure that the work doesn't suffer because if i sign on to a project i'm in, i'm committed like i want to i want to make sure that this is good and anything could happen literally overnight where you are uh, you you have a falling out with this actor that you're supposed to be in intimate scenes with or, or working with in any way in any way, and, or, or I, I keep thinking of actors because that's the the norm. You always see the actors paired up in in, uh, in entertainment media, but um, but you know that I don't I don't want to I I only like watching popcorn of other people's drama, like eating popcorn during <laughs> watching other people's dramas. Like I don't want to be in it myself. But anyways, so so uh, as we went on, so I that conversation was laid to rest. Um, we had a second. We had a second uh, session and I wouldn't say it went super well. Again, I was still in the realm of like, you know, when these people are training and doing fight choreography for movies, when actors are doing that, they're on it for weeks. They're, they're like working out like several hours a day, multiple weeks to get these routines down, especially because this was going to be a pretty um a pretty intense one this this character was supposed to show off some major moves as a really good fighter and i assumed it was just going to take quite a lot of practice for any actor in this role to be able to do this uh but it it, it was interesting to the degree where like i was very afraid to hit the stun person i was like accidentally hit the stun person that i was working with <laughs> so it so at the end of the session he goes okay jess we're gonna try to do an exercise here and i want you he like he's standing here he goes punch me in the stomach as hard as you can. And so like in the abs. And so I'm like hesitant, but I do it. And I, and he goes, do it again, do it again and do it again so that you can know, like, you're not going to hurt me. I ended up starting to cry because I was upset that I was, that I was actually like putting blows onto somebody. So, I mean, I, I was trying to reserve myself. I was trying to like take, you know, hold myself together. But, um, but like, and I was still at the end of, of, of everything. I was still like, okay, next time we're gonna, we're gonna get it. 
So I, I had another drive home with this same um, with the same director, uh, Steve, as we're calling him. And we were having more conversations about uh, filling out the cast of this movie because, again, it's an action movie and there's a villain. So he was asking me about this actress in town. Um, we'll call her uh, Melanie. <laughs> and Mel- he goes, what do you think of Melanie? And I'm like, oh, my God, Melanie's great. I just saw a reel where she was like she had a great German accent and like she's very talented. She's like she seems very natural. I think she'd be a really great fit for this. And and we're talking about other actors and everything like that. And um, uh, there. So, so he drops me off and that's the end of that conversation. Uh, the, the next week I am at the cheesecake factory with my family and I step outside, um, to, to turn my phone on for the first time. Cause I was like, you know, having family time and I get this crazy influx of texts and messages, um, that I've never had before on my phone. Um, my phone is like just blowing up and I'm like, what the, what the frick is going on? And so I, the first message that I open is a message from my friend. My friend, uh, we'll call her Sally. That's, no one has that name. <laughs> <laughs> Sally. I'm having difficulty keeping up here with the with the. Well, uh, just to, I'm just trying to designate this as a different person I haven't talked about yet. <laughs> Sally actually was my friend who I had worked with on a previous project indirectly. Like she was in the same project, but we hadn't been in the same room acting together. And we were excited to actually act together as foils. Like I was going to be the protagonist. She was going to be like uh, a co-protagonist, like a secondary, like buddy, buddy and a buddy cop movie kind of thing. And so we were excited to go to, to work. We were actually both at the, this dinner and we were excited to work t- together. And, um, and she, she goes, Hey, what happened? What? And I go, what do you mean? And, and so I open up the rest of the texts and, the, the next one that I read is a mass message that was sent to the entire cast and crew of this upcoming short to say that I would not be working on this project anymore. And that, and, and it was, we were sorry to part ways with, with me, but they would be recasting and moving forward and blah, blah, blah. And then I opened the, the message from Steve that is explaining to me about how I deceived him that I said that I had training when I very specifically said that I had a class in high school and he asked me the night before we started training, like not like far in advance to learn if he wanted to cast me in this or whatever, like, like he, he cast me and then he asked me um, that I, I was just so bad at the choreography now. Uh, and so, and so that was it. Like he, he, uh, he sent me that message and then blocked me from all communication of, of like the group or, or whatever. Um, and I was basically ejected like out of like a stunt car out of this project. Now, when I tell my friends a story, I kind of am pretty wishy-washy about what really happened because that's the end of the conversation I've ever had with this director. So was it that, was it that I was really that bad at, at the stunts? Um, or, or was it that I didn't want to sleep with his wife? Or was it a combination of both? We will never know. The world will never know. But that's one of the most colorful instances of a possible, like, when we talk about, like, blacklisting or consequences. It wasn't a huge loss. It really wasn't. It You know, it's more of a metaphorical story about what could happen in these kinds of situations. Like, he didn't end up, like, you know, ruling Pittsburgh with his filmmaking. In fact, in fact, 
he ended up doing a very similar thing to not only one, but two other of my friends, both another actor and a producer, just kind of dropping that, like committing them to the project, then dropping them out of nowhere, In, including my, my, the most recent, my friend um, who was, who had gotten so many resources to produce a horror film with him next. And then he just kind of cut her off. So it wasn't, it wasn't like it was only me and it wasn't like it was a big loss, but, um, and so it sounds like this, this director in general has some problems, but, um, but it is an instance of, of trying to, trying to illustrate like how some things kind of, kind of go about in the me too movement. And I mean, this was a tangent from talking about even more serious problems, um, like the, the health and safety of women physically and living in this world. But but if I, um, if I, going back to abortion, if I were, were made to, to raise a child, that's the end of the life that I wanted to live. I know a lot of people will say, you can do both or you, um, you can have, your life is now better for having a child and now you get to be a mom. That's not what I want to be. That's not what I believe I'd be great at. That's not what I want to do. Bottom so- line, it's your decision to make. It's not somebody else's decision to make for you. You have the right to make that decision for yourself and for the child. I mean, a lot of people, the, the best interest of the, of a, pers- a prospective child is I'm not, I know I'm not going to be a great parent anyway. Listen, I'm not. I, so it's, it's in service of, <laughs> of the fetus, whatever it is yes. to, you know, but that's your decision. Nobody else has the right to make that decision. For I you. wish that that very, very sound opinion was uh was reverend at all with anyone um who who is pro pro life all the way i think i feel like they should have a different name <laughs> well i think you have to be consistent Anti-abortion. most people aren't aren't consistent about these things uh but you know we value human life uh you value the already existing life over any and your right to to have your own life yeah. And to make your own life decisions for your own life. If you're pro-life, I'm pro your life because you're already alive and you're already yeah. in front of me. <laughs> yeah, right. I uh, agree just, with you. On that guy, um, Steve. Steve. First of all, it completely unprofessional. Even if the issue was he's not happy with the stunt work you were doing. The idea is the, the way to handle that is saying, I'm sorry, the you know I don't think you're going, you're right for it as phys- the physically demanding stuff of the stunt role. Maybe my expectations were wrong, but not to turn around or to immediately say you deceived me and all that stuff. I I my expectations were a, a little bit more, and we, we're going in another direction. No hard feelings. That's how you ha- handle this stuff. And you know if something comes up with less demanding stunts, we can be in touch and all that stuff. You don't go putting them on the defensive and like you did something wrong here and that's what this is all about that's just totally i forgot to tell you a part of the story melanie the actress that he was at asking me about in the the last car ride home he ended up giving her the part <laughs> i vouched for her and he cast her yeah i ended up working with her on another project and i don't i don't i can't remember if i knew that she was already in the role or I decided to do this to kind of like, I can't, or maybe I realized it in the moment. I'm not sure, but we were chatting. We were friends um, at that, at this point, we were working on another project and, 
I was I was slightly higher on the bill of characters and and she was um we were talking about projects that we were excited about or whatever. And I don't know if it, I think it went like this, that I was talking about horror stories, you know, casting horror stories or whatever. And so I brought up this guy's real name and kind of said to like, look out for him or whatever. And I watched on her face as it changed once I was telling her the story because she had already, I think, either committed to the role or filmed the role with him um, and and was in it. And she was now learning this piece of information about him that. I mean, it didn't change because she ended up doing at least a feature, one other feature with him. Uh, I don't know what, I actually don't know what ended up. I, I actually checked the other day because I was looking, um, I was, I was talking about this story for one reason or another. So I looked on her same IMDB. I knew that they shot it because I had seen, I had seen a clip from it, but the title was not on her IMDB. So it never actually came to fruition this project that i've told the whole story about so again not a big loss um especially because the the clip that they did film looked amazing and honestly she was right for the role like like as far she was she was uh an actual like hit trainer like she was a physical like that was her day job so it made all the sense in the world for her to have gotten that role the process of her getting the role though and me being rejected from it was where the fuzziness comes in. Like she should have been in that role, but I don't know if he really treated me in the way that, that I should. But again, I don't, it, it's, that wasn't the worst thing. I, I'm honestly really lucky that I haven't had very direct um, c- scenarios where I was either taken advantage of or proposed to, to have to, you know, make a well, decision. I would have guessed that that film never got made based on that they, the behavior that I just called uh, unprofessional is when somebody does make, you're the bad guy, you deceive me, they're looking for an excuse to when to say when the, when the, the project never comes to fruition. Like, everybody who I worked with, were, they screwed me over on this. They, they, were, they were wrong to me. They deceived me. They lied to me. People were just impossible to work with. This is, he's building up an excuse for knowing that this thing is never going to be finally made. And, and so I would have guessed that. Yeah. Um, we're, we're kind of way, way over where the listening uh, um, attention span will be. But I, just, I wanted to talk to you uh, based on this conversation about Taliban and mm-hmm. not just the Taliban women and people were dealing with the Taliban, but how it affects world uh, views on women's rights. And the astonishing thing to me now, it's a, a positive what happened in Kansas. Uh, you wear what happened in Kansas. They gave the women individual right to vote on abortion and they put it to the women in general now here's what happens if you poll the state most of the women were pro-life uh they they were talking in front of their husbands they were totally anti-abortion when they got in the voting booth and their husbands weren't watching they voted for pro-choice. Okay. So, but okay, you say that. Now, that's a good result. But what it says is we still have a lot of women in America who are speaking out against their own causes and and very vocal about it and doing it because they're afraid of their husband's judgment. Right. 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 And so that's Talibanism. That's the that's yeah. the um, subjugation to you know you're going to do what I say, especially in public. You don't want to put out 
appearances that you're not a good loyal wife and and uh, living up to my principles you have to you have to toe the line and many women are doing it so yes i agree with you yay that's a good thing that they're in the voting booth but the problem is in most places they're not giving women that option to that's cast true. your vote in private away from your husband but i think that's what we're looking at with um women's rights the obstacle uh, for them is they they're still not able to to tell the truth about what they really because most women if you give them in private a and i promise your husband's not going to hear about this they'll probably tell you i want more rights i deserve more rights as a woman but with yeah. their husband standing right next to them they're going to say no we deserve i deserve to be in the kitchen um it's, so that's part yeah. of it. Bill Burr's special talks a lot about this because his special, it, it, it starts at framing it as in women's sports and how WNBA teams don't get as much attention or and the women don't get the revenue that men get. He said, listen, every, <laughs> every test uh, on a major scale shows that women are smarter than men. If you're so much smarter than men and there are more of you, how are we in this position that the dumb guys, <laughs> the dumb guy, he said, you ever walk past a sports bar on a Sunday afternoon? Those are dumb animals. How did you <laughs> let yourself be dominated by this dumb bunch of um, morons? Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm not saying that all men are stupid. but No, me neither. But yeah. I mean, I mean, j just like you and Bill Burr, you know, you're using your platform to help, uh, you know, and to advocate and and. That's the thing. Like, I think the default is like it comes it, when it comes to like women being paid more, women being put on a platform or women in politics. The default is male. Like like a, a woman will vote for a male that she believes in or or, or a, a more. This is actually more something that I would I've come to understand. A woman will go to a movie to watch a male protagonist. But a man will not as readily go to watch a movie that has a female protagonist. And that has always been kind of the problem in Hollywood to have female-led movies that, like, for when it comes to a male central thing, it's for everyone. When it comes to a female central thing, it's for the girls. Like, that's that seems to be the way that it's always categorized. Right. Um, even though I think that there are lots of uh, interesting stories that are just being kind of thwarted by the marketing that that won't reach men which is unfortunate so um so you know that i i feel like that's kind of the default and and uh that's why i mean i think we had this conversation the last time that's why um i'm not i'm not i've never been i've never i've always uh hesitated to call myself as a feminist just only because of the way that the the term the terminology the the reputation of the term has has gained kind of a man hating uh, reputation over the years, you know, because I believe that we need men to be on the side if we want more of a majority. Like we, you know, women, men, as far as population majority, it's 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 right around fifty percent. Like I mean, it 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 you know it straddles a little bit, but um, but I, I think you know feminism sh should involve men, even men with voices. They won't always be. Um, it's not always coming from the horse's mouth in the way that some women would want, but to have an advocate is to have an advocate, you know, yeah. um, allies, allies are important. And, and I will always appreciate people like you.
continue to talk about this. Like every, uh, this has not only been this week, we were talking about this last week. You keep this on the top of people's minds that this is an important subject. And yeah. I really appreciate that because it's, it's going to continue as the more cases of 10 year olds that get pregnant by their dads will come out, um, you know, from, from these, these rural middle and Southern American States, uh, it's going to continue to happen. It's, it's, and, and we need somebody to vouch for them and you've got the platform and, and you're using it. And I really appreciate that. Hopefully, you know, we, we, a drop of difference will make was, and that's uh, just one last pitch for Gary Paul Cochran.com download the books. And I'm not a huge optimist on, on uh, whether this is going to make a difference, but listen, it can't hurt. We got to do something. That's yeah. all I'm saying. It's better to try than and fail than to not have tried at all and, and even if we make a drop of difference then the world's a better place for us trying so uh, garypaulcorcoran.com download the uh download both the, the novels and maybe maybe uh maybe it will help i, I also like to think when it comes to to raising voices like that is that if if it reaches somebody that it, one person like like we're talking we, we talk about numbers sometimes and like Oh, like how many of us does it take to actually make a difference? But if it if if a book like that, and in a story like that, and a topic like that, meet um, find somebody that it really res re resonates with, and somebody that will maybe dedicate part of their life to doing something with it, or somebody that actually has a platform to make a difference. You know, because we, we say like one person will make it. Well, maybe it really will. Like they might be the next uh, AOC. They might be the next. You know, um, uh, like uh, I, I was going to say Jake Paul only because he's one of the most uh, famous YouTubers that would. Ha but he, does, I don't know if he has anything to say that's worth saying. Um, but you know, um, somebody that that would have a platform to to reach the millions. Um, in fact, like w one thing that I just saw that was really inspiring. One of the biggest pop stars right now. Uh, not right now she's been for quite a while her name's dove cameron she's a she was a uh a disney star and now she has her own pop career beautiful very talented um i was checking up on her instagram to see what she's up to and one of her posts that wasn't her face because she has tons of posts of her face because it's great uh but one of them most recently was that she just uploaded um a clip of those exact uh was it kansas that you were mentioning yeah. The, the the Kansas kind of uh, uh they there were thousands of people standing on the steps of of the um their their I don't know if it was their Capitol building or, or or some kind of um you know meeting place for this march that that they were announcing like you know this is this is happening this is the next good step and so Dove was platforming this and and she was taking a stand and, and she was saying this is important enough to me that I'm going to tell my millions of followers that that this is something that you should continue to keep your eye on and that's yeah. what i'm talking about um, that's the hope you plant the seed it starts with somebody yeah. like me and then somebody who's got a larger influence picks it up and is inspired enough to to make it their cause that's the only only hope for it so uh i mean i would love to see gary get on more podcasts make an audio book i'm gonna you know put that back out to him again i did mention it several times now it needs to get to an audio book form because so many people uh just won't read thick books like that i'm gonna I'm not gonna show them again but yeah so that's that's the hope but um hope is um 
Hope is what it is. I'm not that big an optimist. I'm mostly a realist, but I have to be a little bit of hope is all we have to go by. Uh, yeah. Maybe anyway. maybe on your on your uh, t- your telethon. I don't know if it would be the place. I don't know if that would be the place. <laughs> oh, I'm going to definitely keep mentioning it on the telethon, yeah. may, and, and on the pothon, and, and see if I can get him actually just just pop on for 10 minutes to talk about it. Uh, unfortunately, with him, a, a one question is a 10-minute answer. Uh, but Oh, you, uh, <laughs> you got to be used to that with me at this point. <laughs> yeah, but not on a pothon thing, it, oh, it, yeah. it's, it's a different kind of format. You want things to go – you want things quickly Bought and it. basically – you know, calls to action. Don't forget to give to the GoFundMe and all that kind of stuff. Um, so anything with you, you want to let people know about that you got coming up this weekend? If you want, if you, if you guys want to keep up with me and, and see what's going on, I mean, uh, Halloween is going to be just crazy, uh, for the store, but you know, my, uh, my, my little handle is right there. You can, yeah. it, it's on all the platforms, you know, uh, you can just type that in and any of the platforms and you'll find me honestly. Though, after can, me Monday night, uh, I thought it was Wednesday night, but Monday it's night, Monday. No. not, not, th- I don't think I'm doing this Monday. I think, cause this is my skip week. So wow. I'm going to be, um, I'm going to be chilling by myself, I guess. Oh, well, maybe you want to um, just uh, kind of check out this uh, Monday yeah. night because James is a filmmaker who's, uh, you know what? I can't remember now, but there were some big names other than Tommy Chung that he got involved in his little independent film here. So he's obviously got some and we good connection for you to have since you're both in the same industry and who knows? Yeah. Is he in L.A.? No, he's on Long Island, but Tommy's in L.A. I think he went out there to shoot. Tommy. I'm sure Tommy's not flying yeah. around. He's he's still very paranoid because. Oh, sure. About yeah, COVID. And he's 83 years old. Oh, I thought you meant from all the weed. He's paranoid. Yeah. No, he's, pa- <laughs> he's he's just paranoid about traveling right now, air that flight and all that kind of stuff. I don't blame him. I am too. I uh, air travel is not for me. Getting in a tube with a bunch of people, uh, I become a, a bit of a germaphobe since <laughs> since all the virus. Understandable. Me too. Um. So okay, and we'll keep tracks on you. Now I I am you know the invitation for you, open invitation anytime you want. Uh, but again, I'm kind of torn. I kind of hope hoping you'll be too busy for me, but uh, also hoping not because I really enjoy you being on the show. Very thankful for Zach Wiseman for introducing you. To me, me too. You've been, you've been a find uh, that a great uh, great. Uh, person to know and i appreciate everything you bring here oh i appreciate you too matt thank you all right well rock on i have a a acoustic show tonight so i'll be all right for that all All right right. i'll break break all your legs man i will (laughs) i'll see you online bye for now bye the fabulous Jess Paul, folks. Uh, that's the show for today i know we went really long on this one um a lot more, you know, I could have gone for hours, but, you know, I know you folks uh, don't have the attendance span for that. Anyway, that's the show for today. No show for tonight. As I mean, I'll be out uh, jamming by myself in a place called Neighbors in Selden, Long Island. Uh, so have a great weekend. I'll see you Monday morning. Uh, watch for that shooter drop that I talk around around closing time, end of business uh, today on the East Coast. I expect some major announcements in this uh, whole Donald Trump crap going on. Anyway, that's the show. Always remember to turn on your radio. Bye for now.
listen to me now. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me now. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me now. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me now.